Zed has welcome to our podcast. I'm Jason, and I'm Lucy, and this is the Walking Dead cast episode three thirty five. Welcome back, Lucy. Glad to have you Thank here. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Welcome back, Jason, as well. That's right. It was weird not being here next week. It was a cool episode. <gasps> it was amazing. Reba and Sean were absolutely fantastic. I was I listening know. to it today, and yeah, they nailed it. Yeah. See, you guys who hear us at the end of every episode say, "Check out the great shows on our network," and never do. Well. You got a little taste of what you're missing out on. Yep. Podcastica.com. <laughs> and this episode's made possible by Patreon supporters like Rennie Christopher, who've pledged their support at patreon.com slash Jason and Karen. So thank you, Rennie. Rennie's awesome. Thank you. She gives great uh, Game of Thrones feedback in particular. Excellent. She's a scholar. Um, so yeah, I was just thinking how I've actually not minded so much. I'm surprised not to have minded so much that Rick is gone from the show as long as we still have Jesus because he's such a great character. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what a friend we have in Jesus. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, Why don't we just skip the preamble and get right to the. Let's do it. Let's get to it. Attention shoppers. Deadcast top five in five, four, Three, two. All right, it's our Deadcast Top 5 this week. It's our Top 5 Highlights for Walking Dead Season 9, Episode 8, Evolution. What did you think in general? First watch through, I found I was a bit distracted. I wasn't that into it. The second time, though, I got much more into it, and I think it's a pretty strong episode overall. Some elements more than others, but I did enjoy it, and I thought the atmosphere was pretty good for the spookier scenes so i would say it's a solid high three point somethings for me okay yeah i i loved it i i thought it was great um jesus is one of my favorite characters so mm-hmm. i'm not thrilled that he's gone <laughs> but uh the episode itself i thought was really good and i actually didn't watch it until tuesday uh tuesday or maybe monday and so um I had tried not to get spoiled on anything and succeeded. Oh, did you succeed? Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. I mean, I here's the two things I saw. I happened to see one comment from Kristen Hal who oh, said, uh, this is the first time I've ever thought about rage quitting the show or something like that. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, the, and I was like, oh, that's interesting because Kristen, who I totally adore and who's an awesome podcaster, is also a person that I often disagree with. <laughs> and so I was uh-huh. like, maybe I'm going to love it. 
<laughs> about the show. I and I, Christian, I know you're listening, and I also often obviously agree with you, but sometimes not. So I thought, oh, interesting. What? How am I going to feel about whatever this is? And then, secondly, I saw that um, someone had said the last thirty minutes were some of the best in Walking Dead history, and so I, that kind of comment always like kind of scares me a little bit because if I go in with high expectations then uh-huh. I'm going to be disappointed. So I tried to tamp down my, <laughs> I was like, no, it's not going to be that great. Um, anyways, um, I, I really feel like this first half of this season is one of the strongest first halves of a walking dead season. If not completely, the strongest, completely agree. It yeah. just felt like a, a long kind of run of hits. Like there were, no right. real duds like there were some that i liked more than others but there was no one where i was like oh good god that was a shit episode like yeah. it was genuinely a really good there were some shitty moments but oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> like for sure for sure but i be, I think you'd be hard pushed to find a show that doesn't have those moments yeah there are a few but yeah mm-hmm. you're right yeah actually you're right they all have at least some moments like that all right let's just get into it what is your number five Okay, so for my number five, I have picked at Henry's Wild Night, <laughs> which <laughs> is um, my way of trying to segue into talking a little bit about Henry's character. And what you were saying about getting used to Rick not being there, although I realise now that was a setup for your Jesus joke, um, <laughs> Henry's an interesting <laughs> one because I think I'm actually okay with it not being Carl now. I sort of like the vibe that Henry brings to it. I like the kind of innocence that he has. Um, And I like also kind of getting to know this new character at the same time as doing, um, learning more about the hilltop and how things have changed in the last six years. So I thought that Henry was quite cute this episode. He's a really decent young man. He's obviously been well brought up. I thought his relationship with Earl was very cute. Earl's kind of looking for a son and Henry's looking for a bit of kind of paternal guidance and he seems to offer him that. Yeah, that scene where he's in the drunk tank, which I love, may or may not have reminded me of an exact incident from my own life and where (laughs) um, my grandpa may or may not have played the part of Earl. So I was particularly taken by that whole exchange where he almost kicked him out, but then he saw kind of saw himself in him and softened and he was a father figure. It was great. Which one of you had peed on the zombie? Well, it wasn't a zombie, but. (laughs) Oh, no. Okay. (laughs) Ask me about that some other time. Yeah. Yeah, Join Patreon, guys, for more details on that story. (laughs) Yeah, I'll totally. We're doing a call in show, actually. the, tomorrow so i'll tell a story tomorrow on the Colin show oh amazing mm. okay um so along with henry we got introduced to a new batch of teenagers um which i always find a bit hit or miss generally yeah. i was a bit neither here nor there about them um i liked addy she seemed pretty smart and mm-hmm. not as into the bullshit as the other two i she has a crush on henry obviously right Seemed i like think it. so yeah cute. he's very cute yeah <laughs> Dude, i, I want to say i totally agree with you um i feel like Matt Lintz and I, please don't hate me for saying this people but I feel like he's better than Chandler he's a better I think actor he's more he's I think with Chandler there's affection there because he's Carl and we've seen him grow yeah. up and and he definitely has a certain something about him that yeah. is is appealing for sure to me too but I just feel like sometimes um, he seemed a bit stiff and I think Matt, Matt Lintz has a, a more of a, a subtlety to him 
it's in my notes actually I've got that he's got is it do you say good acting chops like he's he's getting into it and I think he plays the honesty of Henry really well mm-hmm. like he doesn't bullshit around he's like no sir this is what happened he doesn't dob the other kids in though which is also good so he's, he's as we'd say in Scotland he's no grass but he's, he's great <laughs> at playing kind of anguished and a little you know it's it feels like to me this whole thing is like Carol his mom dropped him off at college Oh, completely. And, and it has that achy like, kind of horrible teenage... Yeah. Oh, just oh, to be a teenager again, Jesus. <laughs> I don't know if you could pay me enough money in the world. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a combination of different drives going on where he's wanting to um, have purpose and be his own man. But also, mm-hmm. it's scary as fuck to go to a new place and suddenly be on your own. And I was thinking about it. In that world as well, you can't really phone home. Like, if you get homesick, you're kind of stuck until, like, <laughs> a consignment goes to Hilltop in the next month or so. It's, yeah. It is. It, distances are bigger, even though they're smaller, if that makes sense. And I'd really felt for him. And when yeah. he said, you know, I saw my mom cry, I was like, well, she did murder 10 people last night, but no one's talking about that. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> and also, Just, I mean, when I was in fifth grade, I joined the choir so that I could hang out with Jenny Baptista, who then and she had no idea and then she quit oh. and I was like fuck so um when he you know saw Enid kissing Alden I was like oh <laughs> I Jenna totally identified <laughs> it brought the pain right back <laughs> and, I, and I thought oh now I know why he's at Hilltop but that's not I mean I think that's maybe 30% of it you know but it's, it's yeah. a good bit <laughs> it is also like quite cute because you think Enid must have been quite formative for him when he was younger like this older girl because yes. there weren't that many kids around and stuff and now oh I just I really feel for him that sort of teenage awkwardness and heartbreak it's just really oh Huckleberry yeah. <laughs> freaking Alden I, yeah when I get into the mindset of Henry I'm like god damn it Alden why do you have to be so yeah, I know. dreamy <laughs> but I mean Alden is dreamy and it's so good right. that there's gel for your hair in the zombie apocalypse, <laughs> you can rock that style. I was really feeling it. Um, <laughs> it's a good couple too, Eden, Enid and Alden. Not easy to I say. I really like but it actually. Nice yeah, I do like it a lot. Um, I think the the other teens. I didn't like the fact that they just said that they used a cat as bait for a walker. I was like, oh hell no, you are dead to me, you little psychopaths. But aside from that, <laughs> <laughs> right. it really did. You get vibes of the Fear the Walking Dead episode. Absolutely, where Alicia. Yeah, it's I can't pronounce the Teotwaki in season three, episode three. Yeah, it was. It really reminded me of that. This kind of what do you do when you're teenagers in the apocalypse? Mm-hmm. And um, I I like it. I mean, kids can be insensitive, and I don't think it makes these kids bad kids. Mm-mm. They're, I mean, I don't know. They just are insensitive. And and Addy Addy wasn't down with it. It was just the two dudes. No. And it also shows, I think, that they've grown up quite well protected i know that sounds strange but like they they don't see the walkers maybe necessarily as this big threat but then we've seen this a lot with like kids and young people in the walking dead is this relationship they have with the walkers like with lizzie and her belief that they were people who lived forever and to an extent with carl throwing rocks at the walker in season two and things like that it's it's an interesting angle to take and I think it really spoke to Henry being such a blooming like good kid that he was like, no, I'm going to yeah. go in there and drunkenly save this walker. And it really reminded me of Morgan in that moment when he said, I'm sorry to the walker. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, I, mean, I just thought that was really nice. I was very, I was a little bit hesitant about the drunk zombie killing. I thought, mm, this is not a good idea. I, I, I don't that's what made it cool for me because it was a noble thing to do, I think, because in my opinion, yeah. you want to put the Zeds out of their misery and not torture them. But um, yeah. the fact that he was drunk made it kind of scary, and I like that. Yeah. If I have to explain it, you wouldn't understand, which I quite like to be mm-hmm. saying. Um, but I think of the, the zombies a lot as if they were wild animals because well to me the whole zombie apocalypse doesn't really make sense because it seems like it would be so easy to defeat them yeah um because we we are not subjugated by lions or something (laughs) no that is true but um then if you think about it that way then these kids do seem like kind of evil because if you took an animal and did that you would be a psychopath in the making so I don't know. Well, that's the thing. And when they said they used the cat as bait, I was like, mm, that's yeah, not right. great. That's not great. <laughs> like, yeah, I was like, that's good. one of the like triad of serial killer things. But we'll, we'll, we'll come back <laughs> to that. Um, so that was a bit strange. But I liked the point it kind of made. And I liked the way that it sort of showed a different kind of life. And the fact that Henry has been quite privileged. Like, I think I read a review that called him like the prince because, his, you know, his dad is King Ezekiel and his mom mm-hmm. is Carol. And that he's had the privilege of seeing other communities and going out into the world. And I was like, yeah, I guess that is kind of... Uh, it's almost like he's a rich kid in the apocalypse, if that makes sense. So, right. yeah, I thought it was just he's really, really interesting. And I... Uh, R.I.P. Tara's boots. Um, I'm very sorry <laughs> that Henry puked on them. She was not having a good day. That's a nice little moment with her. She's like, she. I love those. Tara boots. just didn't give a fuck this episode. She's right. like, I am having a day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's um, he's like the upper class kid or whatever, but he doesn't come off as uh, snobbish or anything. No, he, not at all. He comes off as noble. And even it was um, interesting to me that he didn't snitch on the kids. He took responsibility yeah. for his part in it, but he didn't want to mm-hmm. uh, get them in trouble. So he just seems like a, a good guy to me. I think it's almost about him recognizing his privilege as well. I think talking to those kids made him realize that a little bit, you know, that he has had experiences that they've not had necessarily. And I think as well you know it, exactly what he said to Earl which I really liked which was you know I didn't realize until we got here that this is actually a really big deal and I wanted to not think about it for a while and I was just like that's a nice kind of growth moment there so um, yeah I'm way more on board with Henry than I thought I would be and mm-hmm. um, this episode really drew that out and I'm excited to see where it goes I think they've cast a strong actor and I'm entirely on board with with matt lintz and henry for the time being um and there was a lovely i mean well, well lovely there's a spooky bit where we're kind of looking in on the kids from the outside um with the lights and the music on the inside it was so classic horror movie you know one of those old camp horror movies like friday the 13th or something like that and i just really enjoyed that it didn't come to anything in that sense because it wasn't involved with the herd but it was fun to watch and sort of see that kind of framing of of teenagers in a kind of perilous situation. Was it when the camera was approaching the window? Yes. Yeah. And it was light yeah. inside, but dark outside and you could hear the laughter yep. and then the yep. window broke. Yeah. I love that little bit of cinematography. Cool. <laughs> so for me, that was number five. Yeah. Henry's wild night. All right. That is great. I'll um, make my number five, the cinematography then, cause that leads right into it. But I have to say, 
I totally agree with everything you said. And now that I've seen this episode with Henry, um, before I didn't really, I thought Henry was like, oh, little psycho or I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but now I'm like, oh, yeah, he feels like a main character on the show now and I'm invested mm-hmm. in his character. So that's that's a pretty good feat to do in an episode. So cinematography, so that little scene that you mentioned and a bunch of other things, I feel like this episode has some of the best cinematography of the whole series. hundred percent. And there's a great attention to the artistry of filmmaking going on that I think is Mm -hmm. probably a new push for that. And it's so welcome. I, I wonder if they were like, Hey, fear the walking dead has some good cinematography. We need to up our game or something. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) for sure. Maybe. Um, there was also the camera following behind the horse when the, I think Hilltop guy was warning about the Alexandrians coming. That was so cool. I loved that. Yeah. But best of all, the way that the filming accentuated, or even I would say just made possible the spooky feel of the episode, Mm. like you mentioned earlier, they're making it like, okay, we're going to treat this as if it was a horror movie. Which I'm like, uh-huh. dude, it's about time. Nine seasons in, come on. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. 100%. With the zombies, I mean, the camera heading through the Zed herd at the beginning with these growls. Oh, that and was amazing. It's kind of blurry. And then the one turns its head as if it's aware of the camera or maybe us. And uh-huh. you get a little chill, like, oh my God, it oh, I'm it here. Oh, it was spine tingling. <laughs> yeah. It was just so good. And that set the tone. For the rest of the episode, yeah. I think. Like, it just set you ill at ease. It just makes you feel a bit like, uh-oh, yeah. what's happening? They're, they're coming for me. And that, mm-hmm. that little snippet, I feel like, was just as cool or cooler even than any zombie movie seg- section. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, man, that's what this show, this show about what if the zombie apocalypse you know, what if a zombie movie never ended? It should do mm-hmm. stuff like that, like be a really cool zombie movie. And so this episode made me feel like that. Like I didn't, I love it when the show makes me fall in love with the zombies again, because I thought I was so sick of them. And yeah. then you get a little segment like that. That's like, oh yeah, this is great. And, I, and then like, I, we'll get more into the whispers, but just quickly like that one zombie turning its head. I'm like, man, Greg Nicotero must be one of these whispers because they look really good. And yeah. so he's in there like directing the makeup. <laughs> I spent a lot of time trying to spot the whispers. Like, yeah. which one's a whisper? Which one's a whisper? So it was interesting to see them on screen like that. And I yeah, I completely agree. The the cinematography was just exceptionally good in this one. Well, then there's the whole segment at the end where they're walking out to trying to find Eugene in this misty field with their flashlight beams Mm. darting around and gnarled vines on ironwork and all this just beautiful. Mm. And that's shot from above at first. It's like, oh, man, they must have like pumped some budget in or I don't know. Uh Why weren't they doing this already? And then even like there's thunder, like uh, Eugene goes that this wasn't a normal herd. And then you hear outside (laughs) just the right (laughs) moment. Uh, Or when the Zeds are all kind of ambling through that break in the wall, uh, the stone, you know, and growling and everything. 
just really, really good stuff. And, 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 you know, I've read a lot of people say that they felt kind of scared at this one more than other walking dead episodes. And I think that's in part just because of the storytelling, but I also think a large part of it is just the way it was filmed and the music too. Mm. Mm. I completely agree. I've, this actually feeds into one of my points, so I'll cool. maybe make it. I'll just I'll just merge them like a herd. And go from <laughs> one hundred and forty to two eighty. Um, yeah, I thought the the spooky atmosphere was just incredible, and the cinematography was such a huge part of that. And the way that they kept that tone from the cold open onwards was so well done. The music, the colors, the cinema, like you say, the cinematography, the shots, everything about it was so kind of heightened and and evocative i thought the outdoor shots were really good because they really emphasized the idea that the walkers are now all kind of herds and the groups are alone and they're quite small so you would see like the three of them with their flashlights heading for the barn in this big vast landscape but the threat is now this big herd rather than like the odd one here and there and i guess that makes sense i think we've had the sense throughout the show that they tend to merge into herds and that's how things will will kind of end up so that was really interesting because that increased the tension kind of things like the you know the increasing herd numbers you know jesus saying did you say it was 140 it's now 280 the graveyard scene at the end was just spooky as anything it was Mm -hmm. foggy and atmospheric and I just I was scared Eugene in that moment I was making the same facial expressions as Josh McDermott and (laughs) I think the barn scene and the graveyard scene were just like something out of George Romero like straight out of Night of the Living Dead right and then they asked are Eugene are you here and I think you you hear (laughs) (laughs) I actually usually I don't have that much time for Eugene as a character Mm -hmm. but this episode I think he really pulled knocked it out of the park yeah and i think his fear and his i think one of the other things that helped was his theory because i'm glad yeah. they didn't i'm glad the whispers were revealed now rather than leaving it till next season absolutely um but i did enjoy eugene's theory because for one minute it does seem plausible and you can see that it's oh, plausible sure. to everyone around them and that just felt like a real kind of spine tingler moment i love that because they're really um taking us through the story of the whispers as if we don't know because hopefully mm-hmm. most people don't, but that's whether you do or not, that's the way to do it because of course we're going to be thinking the same thing. What talking zombies. And mm-hmm. so they, they go through the same journey that we're going through. Um, those of us who weren't spoiled. And also mm-hmm. to me, it's so refreshing to hear them talking about the nature of the zombies because they never do. And mm-hmm. I miss that. I think it makes sense because once you kind of get to know them and how to deal with them, then you're not going to be pontificating over it. And only now that they're exhibiting some different kind of behaviors, would you talk about it? But even so, just to hear them talking about, oh, are they evolved? Well, they have brains, so they're kind of a certain kind of alive and all that kind of stuff. This show never has that kind of a talk. So it felt no. really fresh to me. And the the kind of self-awareness of, yeah, well, I, th- I think is it Jesus or Eugene, they kind of say, you know, but they're dead. And they're like, well, it hasn't stopped them so far. Like, mm-hmm. it's the, almost the awareness of the ridiculousness right. of it. Jesus was like, yeah, well, the whole thing about dead people walking around is pretty crazy, so I can believe anything or whatever he said. Yeah. Exactly. So it just, it really worked for me. And I feel like it injected just this whole new energy. I'm, I'm ready for this next whisper part because mm-hmm. I think it just adds... And even though you know who the Whisperers are now, there's still that 
tension of you know is it a zombie is it a whisperer what's going to happen you know how do we kind of mitigate that fear and that threat and it just feels very original in a way that the walking dead doesn't always Mm -hmm. and i think that the way that they pulled out those classic zombie tropes in a new and interesting way was just absolutely exceptional and it was one of the things that made me kind of reevaluate the episode overall in my head yeah i mean i didn't know after reading the storyline in the book if it would be good in the show and so far anyway they're doing it as well uh, as well as i could have hoped in fact i'm liking it more than i did in the comics so far i think you're totally right i was i was thinking actually when i was re-watching just there I think one of the things that always struck me was how to wear a zombie costume the way the Whisperers do and not look totally fucking stupid. <laughs> but I think they, because I was just like, surely on screen this is going to look ridiculous. Right. Like it's we should have trusted really Nicotero to pull it off though, because I thought the same thing. He's, he's definitely pulled it off yeah. really well. And also, I think to do to have a storyline like this where people. I mean, we still don't know that much about him, so I want to be careful not to um, yeah. spoil anything. But obviously, we saw that there's a person wearing a zombie mask. And mm-hmm. so you would think that it would take a while after the zombie apocalypse to get to doing that. And so mm. it wouldn't be in most zombie movies unless they decided to set a movie nine years into the apocalypse. So uh, this show is a perfect place to have the, have this story. I think it is. It absolutely is, and it's making me kind of appreciative of that mm-hmm. uh, that time jump. And I right. think the other thing is, and I don't, I, I would never speak ill of Rick, but having these things happen without a real leader who we know really well gives it another sense of unpredictability that I'm enjoying. Is we we don't know what's going to happen because we've only really seen kind of Rick's initial reactions to these things, and yeah, yeah I just think it's. It's interesting to, you know, with these fractured communities and the sense of tension to see how it all plays out. And the the way that the, the fear plays into that is really interesting because True. they're going to be united by this fear. And that's cool. <laughs> On the other hand, Rick was so, um, I would say, unstable that sometimes I felt afraid even when he was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just when he was like doing his daily stuff. Yeah. Just like, oh, just going for a like walk. He might just turn around and start waving his gun around at everyone. And then also, I, I also, I, as you're saying this, I'm totally agreeing. And I'm like, I want to know what Rick would have thought of these things. What would Rick have done? WWRD. <laughs> <laughs> okay my turn uh yeah that was my number four the spooky atmosphere so go for it okay let's get into the death of jesus <laughs> <laughs> it's Who, okay he'll be back in, in about three days time. yeah <laughs> uh Sorry, guys. i was shocked <laughs> i i um they've this was another great thing they um in, in a way you're like what well they usually telegraph deaths on this show by having mm. but in this case what they've been doing to me is telegraphing future storylines teasing Aaron and Jesus uh mm-hmm. showing that Jesus is struggling with being a leader versus wanting to go out and be in the field and I thought, oh, how's this all going to play out? It's not. <laughs> so oh. I, I, he's, he's, I love the character. I love Tom Payne as a person and, and an actor. And I do feel like, oh, man, this character is ripped away and has so much potential. So there's definitely mm-hmm. that hurt there for me. But also um, 
it, I appreciate being surprised because they did not telegraph this at all. And it brings back that feeling of the show that I think is crucial where you feel like anyone could go at any moment and you're afraid for the characters. So that those are the two sides of the coin for me. Agree. It's, um, I don't know if we'll get into it in the news. I know Derek and I speak about it briefly on, on comic talk. It's, it's funny knowing the backstory to it a little bit you know the kind of the way tom payne's been feeling about the show and yeah he's not he thought the character was underused right yeah and And it's sad because in this episode i think jesus was just perfect jesus like the the action hero the kind of bravery the enthusiasm for these kind of perilous situations and it just felt really potent to get that taken away i know and for he he's there being so powerful and awesome to watch and then just that little moment where the whisperer suddenly started uh moving like a human ducked down swooped around behind him and stabbed him even people who know what the whispers are in that moment like me was like (gasps) and i'm sure the people who didn't know just got such a jolt of oh completely feeling there great moment and so tragic <laughs> Great, terrible moment <laughs> yeah, terrible horrible <laughs> bad bad show um yeah this story totally mimics tom Payne actually and i think that's probably on purpose he i think he's mm. been complaining that he's bored and wants to be having more action and jesus mm. is the same on the show he he doesn't want to be back at home sitting behind a desk he wants to be out in the field and mm-hmm. if they decided to kill off jesus because they didn't like tom Payne's complaining i hope that's not the case because i think that would be really dumb i think they should have listened to tom Payne and given jesus some of the cool things that he's gotten to do in the comic because that would have been fucking awesome on the show right Mm -hmm. but um Mm -hmm. i mean also i'm getting after rick i mean he's not dead but he's gone carl's gone i really feel like i'm um and i knew this would happen that i'm like a person in the zombie apocalypse where each successive death, even though it really did affect me. I mean, I wrote down fucking Jesus is dead when it happened, but shortly after the impact wore off a lot more than, um, I don't know. I'm still feeling it kind of, but it's not, if this mm-hmm. would have happened earlier on, it would have had a high, bigger impact. I'm just, it's just like being in a war, you know, after a while you can only grieve so much, I guess. Mm, I think that's right. You do get kind of, not quite numb a little to, numb it, to but... it. Yeah. Yeah, it's um oh Jesus. I mean it was it was a good episode for him to go out on. Um look at re- watching it again knowing what was coming. There were a couple of signposts where I was like, "Oh no." Like, you know, Aaron saying, "Go back and be the leader. I know you can be." I was like, "Oh, well. Oh, okay, yeah." He's... Oh, really? I was clueless. I didn't oh. even. <laughs> you, yeah, I know. I was reading con- through people's comments later, and a, a couple other. I think who was it? Someone in the group said, "I think this is it for Jesus." There was another shot where um, we focused in on Daryl's ticking clock distraction, um, and it went from Jesus's face to the ticking clock to a weapon being wrought at hilltop and i was like oh boy <laughs> that's, that's a lot of symbolism mm. in like three seconds of, of shots there mm. it yeah it was just i felt i did feel it I, i'm feeling sad i think tom Payne's a great actor and a great guy but he's also like really quite early on in his career and is probably going to go out and do a lot of amazing stuff i hope well. so 
Yeah. I think he's fantastic and, and I hope he gets something awesome to do. And it's, you know, it's nice that he's able to talk candidly about it as well, which I think is important. Yes. He's like that. Like if you watch his uh, Twitter feed, he's just very out there with his thoughts. He doesn't hold back, which I love. Yeah. And I found with Jesus, like, you know, he was unhappy um, in last week's episode, as we saw. And I just thought, even in this episode, you saw kind of uh, the the kind of torment of him in that, you know, he says the way for us to combat this is to avoid a fight. He talks about, you know, the herd, as long as it's going the other way, then we've got nothing to worry about. But when it comes to it, he opts to fight. He opts to keep going and and keep fighting and that's kind of his his downfall in that moment and it doesn't make him a bad person it doesn't mean it was a bad decision or well i mean it's a bad decision because he died but <laughs> yeah it was just it was bittersweet um for the character i think yeah for the show I, it, it was it was a good death in that a lot of times when somebody dies on the walking dead like um uh, what comes to mind is the cheesemaker who's oh, yeah. this great fighter that was so dumb. How he? Oh, what was it again? He uh, tripped. No, he tripped her. I don't know. He like fell into a zombie or something. <laughs> <laughs> he sat on you know, zombie it's like, hard oh, to. No. Uh, but this one, uh, it, it was like, oh yeah, Jesus thought he was dealing with walkers, and this guy guy had the jump on him, and it was way more believable. Even though Jesus is a kung fu master, still you don't expect the guy to swoop around behind you and have a knife to stab you with. No, complete surprise. Yeah. And also, even if you'd noticed the knife, I think the shock of it, right. would, you know, it wouldn't have given you much of an advantage because you've been so blimmin' surprised by the whole thing that your usual reactions would have been off. So, yeah. And then he goes, you are where you did not belong. Ooh, <laughs> you're where you don't belong. <laughs> no. That made me feel almost like Oh, maybe he'll survive because um, I, I think you and Derek probably talked about this in Comic Talk, but there was a scene where we the nature of the whispers is revealed in the comics where someone gets stabbed, right? Yes. And but that person survived, right? They do. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I think Jesus is going to survive this. And then when the guy said that to him, I thought, well, why why bother explaining that to him unless he wants him to go away? But mm-hmm. so I for for just a second I thought oh okay he's gonna be wounded and then he just laid there still and Aaron started crying and that's when I was like oh no <laughs> oh bloody hell Aaron man that man he's like the Black Widow <laughs> do you think <laughs> Aaron and Jesus had a that. relationship um I like that they didn't well I I'm kind of clouded by like interviews I read and right. things like that I. Well, I think, you know, over six years, becoming closer friends. It's the apocalypse. Tom they're Payne said they probably other, hooked up at know? some point, but now they're just friends. Yeah, <laughs> I can believe that. Yeah, I, can believe I mean, that. they I obviously had an affection a... for one another. Yeah, I think so. And I, I'm glad that they didn't go down the full road of like a full-blown relationship in the time that we had. But, right. you know, it, it does seem to be heading that way. And I wasn't complaining. They're no. two nice guys. Right. I mean, Tom Payne was like, it's cliched to have the two gay guys get together. But then again, if they're like as cool dudes like Aaron and Jesus and there aren't that many prospects around, it's totally believable that they would. I do have a small problem and I do speak about this a little bit with Derek 
I think I do anyway, um, in comic talk. I'm doing time travel again this week, guys. It's very confusing. Yeah. In that, I think there is a danger of The Walking Dead falling into the kill your gaze trope, which is, you know, the idea that any time a kind of significant person of LGBTQ um, identity is on a show, they tend to get killed off in a sort of tragic, martyr-like way. And it does... I think it's, I mean, everyone's going, but we still have Aaron and we still have Tara and stuff like that. And that's that's cool. And I'm glad that we have that. But I think it is, it's a shame that a kind of leading-ish man who was overtly homosexual and also completely kick-ass, it's a shame that he had to be one of the ones to die. But in the zombie apocalypse, I guess nobody is safe. Exactly. I, I totally, that to me is enough of a, uh explanation like everybody yeah no on one's the show yeah so. the zombie's not going to be like who's going to be more representative in alexandria i <laughs> yeah. know you're a socially, part of the yeah progressive zombies will just kill the mm-hmm. old white men and leave everyone else alone and we could do with some of those in britain at the moment actually so if anyone knows any socially progressive zombies just well, send them to me i'm getting up there to be on the chopping block so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, another uh, element of that scene too that I wondered about is okay, they're in there like they they try to run, but they get backed into a corner, so they realize they have to fight. So then they start doing what they always do, which is knifing all the Zeds in the heads and slicing them up and everything. And I and I know what the whisperers are. So in that moment, I'm like, ooh, how many of these are humans? You know, mm-hmm. were you thinking about that at all? I totally was, and I am. Um... Especially at the end, I was like, oh, are those more... Oh my God, that's all the whispers have kind of revealed themselves at the end. But yeah, I did wonder, like, there was one where, like, Magna and Yumiko and everyone got involved. I was like, some of these must be humans. So at what point, as a whisperer, do you decide to blow your cover and fight like yeah. a human? Or, or just be like, wait a minute, uh, wait a minute. Yeah. Excuse me, hello. <laughs> just let me take my mask off. La, la, la. Uh, <laughs> Hi, I'm James. Um, <laughs> right, right. Sorry, nice sorry, so sorry. sorry. So sorry, so sorry. <laughs> Just a nice little joke. You. Hello. Just a little joke. It's me, Rick. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. That would be amazing if Rick That'd came back so as a whisperer. Michelle, I've come to surprise you. Carl. <laughs> Oh my I would god. Watch that. If that happened, I writers, think I would just love the show. I think writers, if you're listening, that's uh Jason and I's idea. Do and it. we want commission on the movies. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, he'd be like, You wouldn't believe these last few years. <laughs> I've had quite a time of it. Like. Um I you know, I have a panel with Tom Payne in San Jose in just a few days here and um <laughs> I'm hoping I can publish the audio on the podcast pretty soon. Oh, please find do. Out. That would be amazing. Yeah. I'd be really interested to hear what he has to say about everything. And he just recently mm-hmm. got engaged, guys and gals out there. Nice. <laughs> Moment of silence with a lot of talking, both on the show and from the singles market. But yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's get into We have a couple sponsors. Our first one is Away. So this holiday season, Away has the perfect gift for everybody on your list. You know, away away has suitcases, and they create these thoughtful standards for modern travel with universal pieces that reflect your personal travel style and make every trip more seamless. They've considered all types of travelers in making their carry-on bags, which are available in two sizes, and come with an optional ejectable battery that charges your phone up to five times. Plus, they have 
four 360 degree spinner wheels, a removable washable laundry bag, a TSA approved combination lock, and an interior compression system that lets you pack more. So these things, my, my impression of away is first you see the suitcase and like it said, they had two different sizes of carry on bags and they just look gorgeous. They're kind of mm. minimal, but they have a, a little bit of embellishment, like these lines that go across them that make them look super cool. And they're available in a bunch of different colors, so you can choose the one that suits you. Um, they have this German polycarbonate or aluminum alloy, and they're both guaranteed for life. So they're this really strong material, but they're super light. Like this is the, I have one, and it's the lightest suitcase I've ever had. And I totally dig it because it has these little uh, segments. It's like uh, this is like a suitcase that has two halves versus one that has like mm -hmm. a lid that closes down. So you open it up and you can pack things in both sides and then it's really easy to cinch it up so that they're all snug in there so that as much as your suitcase gets jostled around, everything will stay in place nicely and elegantly. And they have that charger in it too. So it's just mm. light, practical. Uh, it has the charger. They look awesome. I mean, this is definitely my favorite suitcase that I've ever had. And I think it would be a really cool and unique gift to give somebody, especially mm. if you know someone who needs a suitcase because they don't have one or if they have one that's getting all ratty and beat up and you're like, when are you going to replace that thing? Well, you can give them an away and, and they'll be really happy. It's really stylish. So I really like these. Have you taken a look? I have. I'm drooling mm. over the middle of I'm like, I really want one. Mom, if you're listening for Christmas. <laughs> well, Lucy's mom, if you want to get $20 off, you can go to awaytravel.com slash deadcast and use promo deadcast during checkout. Again, that's awaytravel.com slash deadcast and use promo code deadcast during checkout. You get 20 bucks off because this season, everyone wants to get away. Woo. All right. Where were we? Do you know? Uh, let me just, I really want an away. Someone send me an away. <laughs> I'm like drooling over them right yeah, now. Yeah, these are great. I love it when I we have a product. I mean, like I've said to you guys, everything that we sponsor we have used and liked and mm. this is definitely one of them that i am so glad i got to have as a sponsor because now i love my away suitcase and i use it every time i go to a walker's talker okay uh my number three is negan because mm -hmm. i felt like i should mention him really <laughs> i think you tend to leave him off i do tend to leave him off i i find him quite interesting in this episode i thought he might have changed more so I was kind of looking for change in Negan which I guess is a kind of fool's errand in some ways but I think he had changed slightly. I think some of it, his behaviours were more just sort of churlish teen which I guess if you have been locked up for the last seven years you probably would adapt to in terms of ways of behaving and expressing yourself. I thought the symbolism of what he was playing with was really, really interesting because he's playing with a catcher's mitt and a ball and he says, I have everything I need, but he doesn't have a bat. So, oh, <laughs> duh. Yeah, Deep. see, when he left, I, I, I think the thing about Negan is, that we've learned is he's, um, there's something going on underneath and then he's putting on a show and... Mm. At least that was the case a few episodes ago when we saw how broken he was when he was trying to um, just be as 
cruel as possible to Maggie. And then he broke down and you saw that underneath, he just wanted his bat. Mm -hmm. And so it makes me wonder, like he, he got out at the end of this and that's a departure from the comics. And I hate that because I really loved where the comics went with it. So We'll see what happens, but it makes me wonder, okay, is he going to do the obvious thing and just try to regain his power and be a villain again or, Mm -hmm. or what? Uh, I don't know. I I feel like the jury's out a little bit on that. I think so. I don't, I don't know. I really don't know. I, everything in this episode, I was like, oh, it just doesn't really tell us anything one way or the other. Like, I just. I think it's okay not to know right now because we're, we're, we're nervous about it. Yeah, and I think it could go either way and I wouldn't mm-hmm. be surprised. Like, he could become a more reformed character or he could revert to his old self and I wouldn't right. be surprised either way. I'd be disappointed because I think, you know, that character needs to grow and change a little if it's going to keep the audience. It would be really dumb of the show to make him just try to go back to being the old Negan after two years of that and everyone saying how sick of it they were, or most people anyway. Yeah, right. I think it's, I, was, I mean, given the clues we get in this episode or what we see in this episode, we get a bit of insight into his dynamic with Gabe. And I really, I actually thought maybe this should have been Gabriel rather than Negan. I liked the Gabriel that we saw in his interactions with Negan. I thought he didn't take a lot of shit. Well, we'll come back to the shit thing, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but I liked the kind of, I did laugh at the sort of mindfulness singing bowl element yeah. of it, but... It was quite sweet when Negan does point out that Gabe did help him a while ago when it sounded like Negan might have been quite depressed or, or suicidal. Yeah. Um. So their relationship is interesting. They clearly have a dynamic of Negan winding Gabriel up or pushing the limits and then kind of pulling back a little bit. And we saw that even the first time that we see them stuck in that trailer together way back before Gabriel lost his vision. Mm-hmm. In fact, because the way that leads to Gabriel losing his vision because they cover themselves in water guts. His irritation with Negan seemed really real. Like, you are on my last nerve. I keep scratching, you know, I think I'll find a person. And it seemed to actually affect Negan a little bit. My favourite was when he said... Um... Every time you come in here to change my bedpan and smell my shit, something that was actually in my ass goes right up your nose. Yeah. And he, what was it? But Gabe came back with, like, it's bad enough that I have to pick up your shit. I yeah, shouldn't I have, have to, to listen to it, it as well. But <laughs> that like, line yeah. from Negan, even though it's totally sophomoric, just uh, I, I laughed out loud. And uh, I've actually totally thought about that. Like, every time I smell someone's yeah. fart, I'm like, oh, that's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, our cats tend to run away when they do that. They pretend it's not them. They're like, no, I'm a cat. I'm too dignified. I would never do such a thing and then leave the room. I'm like, hmm. (laughs) But I think they had dialed Negan back a little bit. He wasn't quite as sort of vulgar as he used to be. And I've written down Negan, banter versus bollocks, which is which. I'm never sure. I'm Mm -hmm. never sure what is him genuinely being malicious or him just playing this role because he doesn't know what else to do. I, I'm intrigued to see where they take him in terms of the cell being left open. I'm not clear on why the cell was left open or how, because we saw the guard lock the door. And I know. I'm just a bit did, confused as to how it got open. Well, did we? We saw, I thought we saw him unlock cuffs on Negan or something, but maybe I'm wrong about oh, that. Oh, that would explain... Negan was cuffed there while Gabe got the bedpan. Yeah, maybe. They uncuffed Negan, but they didn't lock the cell. I mean, there you come go. on, Barney Fife, like, oh, lock the jail cell. I think, I guess the point was that um, 
Gabriel was just preoccupied with Rosita. I don't think he did it on yeah. purpose. That makes sense. That really does make sense. I think it's it was an interesting dynamic. I like the way they snuck it in, and I thought having Negan escape in the midst of the kind of night of terror was an interesting kind of aside because it's quite a little thing in some ways. It's like, oh, one guy's escaped, but the implications could be quite big. And I think not even so much in terms of what Negan can do because he's... I think what we're going to learn this season is that it's organised gangs rather than one person that are the new threat. But more in the sense of everything that they fought for, everything that, you know, Rick and Maggie and Michonne have debated for over the years if we remove him from that cell, it kind of undermines all of that. And that's kind of scary. That's yeah, like the basis right. of their little civilization at the moment. Someone on the, uh, I think it was Kristen. She had posted a poll about whether, do you think Negan can be redeemed? And, mm. and number one was like, no, just, you know, kill him like he deserves. And then there was like, maybe we'll see. And then like, yes, everyone deserves a second chance. And personally, my response to that was, I think that he could psychologically turn around and decide that he feels great remorse for what he's done and, and that he wants to be a better person and, uh, you know, try to help. But even so, I think what he's done with uh, Glenn and Abraham and even mm-hmm. Spencer, where he gutted him just for wanting to be the leader of Alexandria. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, what was that one woman's name that didn't he shoot? Uh, Olivia. Oh, Olivia. And who knows what else he's done. After all that, I don't care if you turn around. I I just don't think you deserve. I don't know. It's hard to judge for sure. But my instinct is he needs to be in prison or dead because of Mm -hmm. the severity of what he did. Who knows? But uh, for the show, as far as the show goes, watch having an interesting show. I am interested to see what he'll do when he gets out. But if he just goes and goes back to sanctuary and tries to be the commander of the saviors and do the same thing he did before, then yes, you might as well kill him off. That's boring. We've already seen it. I don't want to see that again. Mm-hmm. But maybe we see his journey to discovering that's not what he wants. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's interesting, isn't it? It's. I think the show has the potential to hit a bum note here. So I'm kind of gritting my teeth and hoping that it whatever they do comes out okay for it and it's it's a little weird too like he doesn't really have anybody that comes to my mind anyway to take revenge on because rick is gone yeah and it's like you have the villain without the hero left and Mm -hmm. we uh it's it's weird (laughs) so it'll be interesting it's almost like i kind of have this theory that maybe he'll come back and try and be scary and everyone's just like for fuck's sake, and no one's scared of you yeah, anymore. We've got bigger problems. Go Please away. go away. And he's like, "Oh no, but I'm scary." And they're like, "No, you're not." Bye. Yeah, like, and they <laughs> just like grab his bat and throw it in the campfire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, "Woo!" And he's like, "No, absolutely not, Nathan. <laughs> fuck off, please." Like. <laughs> okay, so my number three is the whispers. Oh, we've talked a little bit about it. I'm glad that we got an answer. Now you mentioned that um, Angela mm-hmm. Kang in an interview said. My preference for story is that if you kind of introduce a mystery, you don't drag it out too, too long, which Mm. is great. It just shows me that she does have an attention on the pace of the show, which seemed Mm -hmm. obvious, but I'm glad to hear her say it. And I hope that also carries over to whatever these X's are, because I don't want to have to wait until the final episode of the season to find out what the hell happened with that. Um (laughs) I was talking to Rebecca, our listener, Rebecca, about the whispers and how 
when they were introduced in the comics, my first thought, because all you saw was talking zombies and then you had to wait a month. And my first thought was, oh, well, that's interesting. What the hell are they evolving? But then almost immediately I was like, well, that's dumb. <laughs> that would just be dumb going this many issues where they're one way and all of a sudden they just change. I, I don't know. It just seemed kind of silly. Right. And then when it was revealed what they really were, people wearing zombie masks, I thought, okay, good. I'm relieved that that's what it is. And then there was a little part of me that was like, oh, it would have been fun to see what it would have been like if they were evolving. So, <laughs> mm. you know what I mean? I was sort of... I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> sort of, I don't know, want, wanting it to be both ways and not wanting it to be either way at the same time. Especially the way Eugene described it. I was like, oh, that would be spooky. Right. Cool. Yeah. But I guess if you really went down that road of zombie evolution, it really would change the show a lot. And there's a risk that it could become like Z nation. I don't know if you've seen that. Have you seen it? I still haven't watched it, but I've heard, I've heard things and I'd quite like to give it a go at some point. <laughs> yeah. It's fun. It's just campy and you know, anything mm -hmm. can happen. The zombies can be anything. And um, it just turns into like walking dead is great because it's at least at its best. It's so grounded and, emotional and if you get too silly with it then i think it really would detract from the show so there would be a big risk of that i think in fact I'm that's one reason agree. why i don't like the helicopter thing because it makes it feel a little bit more like that yeah a little silly what else about the whispers um like i mentioned before it was great to hear them talking about the nature of the zombies and the way that the whispers are acting abnormally compared to other zeds is they're like they head towards the sound, but then they change direction. I think the thing about having twice the number in their herd is means that they know how to corral the zombies together into big giant yes. herds. But one thing is early on in this episode, one, one of them said, uh, like Jesus or somebody was like, oh, they're milling around. They don't usually do that. And I'm like, don't they? Don't they always mill around? I mean... Herds tend That's to move, but they also, I mean, I know at least indoors, they just kind of hang out. Maybe it's only indoors. I don't know. That's just a indoor non-free range Zeds that do that. The organic <laughs> yeah. farm bred well, Zeds did, are different. <laughs> they did call them the roamers and the lurkers in the book. So. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, fair. Yeah. yeah. Roamers and lurkers. <laughs> uh, the last thing is at the very end of that scene where Jesus died and then you have Aaron and Eugene and a Magna and uh, Michonne and maybe um, one of the other of Magna's friends were there. Yumiko. Yumiko. And you hear the whispers saying different things. And I looked up the script and it's like, they're trapped. Circle around. Don't let them slip by. Keep them together. So Ooh. that's the cliffhanger is there. Uh, you know, they're still in trouble. And I think that was just a great little cliffhanger. That's how to do a nice cliffhanger for a season. I think it's, it's enough peril that you're invested. Mm -hmm. you nothing too know. dark, but right. nothing too. Yeah, I know. I agree. Perfect cliffhanger. <laughs> okay. What's your number two? My number two, I'm going to go for what we don't know, um, which you kind of touched on with what Angela Kang was saying about mysteries. I would maybe argue that this mystery of what's happened in the six years is in danger of dragging on just a wee bit. Um, yeah, I already feel but, like it is. Yeah, I, I'm, like, I'm like, okay, let's just say it. It's yeah, dragging on. Just tell us. Um, <laughs> so I was thinking about, I don't know, just fucking tell us. Imagine if she did over the show break. She was just like, actually, here's everything that right. happened. That's all you need to know. <laughs> You're like, oh. 
okay. <laughs> I mean, it feels gimmicky to me. It feels like the worst kind of impulse of Lost where they don't tell you something just to keep you coming back to figure it out. And that's the only reason why we don't know. And it's like, I feel manipulated. Just, I don't care almost. It is very like what Fear was doing this yeah. season in the first half, mm-hmm. which you and I both, I think, were losing patience with. Right. It's it's okay for a little while, but not too long. Mm-hmm. And even then, we had more of an idea than, I think we had some slightly more clues than what we have here. I think so, like, I was just thinking about what we don't know and how it impacted what we saw mm-hmm. in this episode and what clues we kind of have. So, I enjoy, I don't know, there's something, Denai Guerrero, when she's playing Michonne, always uses quite a sort of low kind of stony voice almost in a way like it's quite a she she doesn't show a lot of kind of surprise or or modulation in terms of her voice but the way she said Aaron really tickled me Aaron's here so any variation has a bigger impact exactly so I liked kind of raging Michonne at that point um, <laughs> I thought it was quite interesting reading Tara's performance like how she was responding to Michonne I think she seemed well, I had two thoughts. One was that perhaps Tara is going to take over Maggie's role at Hilltop. I mean, that yeah. seems pretty inevitable mm-hmm. at the moment. And I'm kind of here for that because I, I really like Alana Masterson in that role. And yeah, me too. And I'm, I'm on board with it. I think mm-hmm. it works for me. Um, so after I'd kind of gone over that thought process, she seemed almost sad or disappointed in Michonne. Um, there was definitely hostility there. Like, that was really obvious. But I got this real sense like when she was looking at the people that Michonne had taken there, she was almost disgusted or sad with Michonne for not taking them in herself. So there was almost the sense of being let down or betrayed. Okay. Because it seems people are mad at her, obviously. Mm -hmm. And she even says at one point, Michonne, I didn't make the choices I made because I thought they'd be easy. At least they're alive so they can hate me for it. So she did something that she thinks kept everyone alive, but she knows that they, they hate her. And I think, yeah, you're, you're helping clue me in maybe a little bit on maybe it had something to do with shutting people out or, or something like that. I just don't, it's so, oh, I don't know. It's hard to know. And the the thing I always feel about these reveals is that they're never quite as satisfying as you actually want them to be. You're just kind of like, oh, that's it. Like what, what could explain, because another thing that Michonne says is, Kingdom is kingdom. Hilltop is there here and Alexandria is there. And in between, there's a whole lot of broken world and we cannot pretend otherwise. So she, and she turns Carol down when Carol wants her to come to the fair. And we learn also Mm -hmm. that it seems like, um, part of the reason for the fair is that the kingdom is in trouble and they just need this, um, cross pollination of communities. But Michonne Mm -hmm. says no. And so for her to be so adamant that no, we can't work together. We have to just take care of our own what is going to happen that's going to satisfy like why that happened i i feel the same as you that i don't know if anything could really satisfy it but we'll see yeah and it's 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 very definite now to me that it's not just rick's death i mean i think we're all on that page but the things they were talking about um she said to carol you of all people um, which to me indicates, you know, Carol has been a support to Michonne. Something has happened that they've been in together. She talks about the troubles that they've had. You know, we know yeah. that you've had troubles. We've had troubles too. So I'm kind of like, I'm loving the, I've written Apocamums. So <laughs> Apocalypse <laughs> Mums. So they're Apocamums. Um, I like the chat. Apocamums support group meets Apocamums. Tuesday nights. Yep. Absolutely. Bring your yoga pants <laughs> and some rosé. Um <laughs> 
But the worst dialogue of the week when I thought of you actually was when Carol said to Michonne, we've all lost something. You and me, we both lost children and we still kept going. And I thought you might say that was a little bit on the nose. It was a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of, I'll forgive Melissa McBride a lot though, yeah. because well, she she's Melissa it. McBride. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, no, I need to do this there. Um, so I enjoyed their interaction. I think the two actresses played it really well, but it just left me with more questions. And I'm unclear, are they all pissed off at Sadiq as well? Enid and Alden seemed a bit softer towards them, but there was still distance there. It, I just, I hope this gets resolved soon because I'm I'm a little bit kind of grumpy with it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's clear that Michonne is the one who is pushing to keep them all apart and that people like Sadiq and Aaron and uh, Jesus are going, you know, that Michonne called it back channels, but they're going behind Michonne's back to try to re-engage. Yeah, I thought the back channels conversation was quite interesting. And I liked that Sadiq seems to have become something... He seems to be quite brave with Michonne. He seems to try and connect with her when other people maybe don't. And I wondered if that was part of his sort of indebtedness to Carl was his sort of dedication to being not quite her right-hand man, but being someone who talks to her or calls her out on her stuff uh -huh. and is honest with her when other people maybe aren't. And I thought that was that was a nicely played moment uh, and it gives Sadiq's character a bit of depth. I like that too because we've had a six or five and a half year time gap and we before that had a chance to get to know all these characters and see them get to know each other and Sadiq was new mm -hmm. but now he's been with all these guys for longer than you know we even knew them up to the point where yeah. we met him so they had to have some deepening relationships so the way he was with Michonne sort of pointed to that I did feel like it seemed like he was her number two and that they've gotten to know each other and work together for all this time so they must be pretty tight and it's funny because thinking about it, he's not that he's he came in at the start of season eight and was kind of there. He, we we met him properly, sort of in the mid season finale, a little bit before that. So he has been around for relatively not that long, like a longer time than to still consider him as the new guy. But I still look at him and I'm like, oh, you're so new, yeah, and I'm like, because he hasn't had much to do on screen yet, because there are so many characters. Yeah, I think that's probably what it comes down yeah. to, really. Um, and it was interesting to note that Oceanside are still on the go um, because they're talking to Henry about it, um, the community of all women. And the fact that Henry's been there makes me think there must be some kind of relationship left with Oceanside, mm -hmm. which is interesting because the you know the last time we saw them, it was kind of just coming out that it was them that had been killing off the saviors, etc. So I'm intrigued to see, are they living in kind of enforced isolation what's happening there kingdom clearly have kind of relationship with them were they exiled so yeah i'm hoping we'll get to see a bit of oceanside as well at some point this season i bet you we will i hope so they were cool mm -hmm. i liked oceanside mm -hmm. well my number two is kind of similar it's about this incident and its impact and what went on in the six-year gap and mm -hmm. <clears throat> i think we we covered all that pretty well a couple of things about the gap there being a six-year gap it's kind of crazy that none of the major characters seems to have died in six years i did wonder about that yeah <laughs> and then as soon as we come back jesus dies damn it mm -hmm. uh, oh, today of all days <laughs> 
Um, this thing about Sadiq, you know, he obviously has had a long time to get to know Michonne and have a deepening relationship with her, but we as an audience don't yet have that relationship with Sadiq. And so even though they're um, acting with each other points to that, I noticed that still, you know, you see Sadiq uh, acknowledge Carol and the moment passed pretty quickly. But then when uh, Michonne confronts Carol, because we are intimately familiar with both of those characters, the moment is heavier. So it's just, Uh I guess, interesting to me how our relationship to the characters versus their relationship to each other is different now because of the six year Mm -hmm. gap, you know? Absolutely. It's, it's, yeah, the distances and the closenesses. Yeah. Places where people ended up where you thought they might not end up. Like Tara and Rosita were such good friends for a while there. It's just, yeah, it's interesting. Right. I'm I'm hoping that there'll be a flashback episode in the back half, but yeah, that'd who be cool. knows? And then Gabriel with Negan, I get, it seems like he's been digging for six years to try to find a person under the surface of juvenile Negan, which seems yeah. actually a bit long. And I was thinking about it, like if we hadn't had the time jump, so we had about three to four years of in walking dead universe time over eight seasons of the show. Mm -hmm. And so another six years would be somewhere between 12 and 16 more seasons of Gabriel down into Negan's cell and trying to get to know the real him. Oh Lord. (laughs) God. That would have sucked. I'm glad they skipped over that. (laughs) I mean, it would be, I would watch maybe one episode of that and then it would be like, no, thank you. Yeah, that's enough. So, but then one way that they've kind of mitigated that de- that relationships have not developed that much in six years among many of the cast members is that they have been mm. mostly apart. So that helps a, a little bit, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, the lack of communication mm-hmm. as well yeah, plays a big contact. part in that. Okay, what's your number one? My number one. Um, well, I we spoke about Jesus earlier, so I'm going to go for what I thought would be my number five, four, three, two, and one, which is a uh, dog, because dog <laughs> is my favorite character. Uh, mm. Dog is beautiful. Dog is well behaved. Dog is a good boy. Dog is helpful. <laughs> um, if the dog <laughs> dies, I'm sure jumping. It's just not happening Do you for think me. Dog I, chews I'm kinda... on like zombie parts. I think dog. Yeah, I think yeah. Dog was born chewing a zombie part. Like, <laughs> Dog knows what he's about. Um, the one question I have, and it's something that actually came up in the group chat earlier from Des Combs, is surely a barking dog is actually a bit of a risk in the zombie apocalypse, but it seemed to me that Daryl's using him to move herds away, like getting the dog to bark, kind of attract them, and then take off in another direction. Yes. So He, has, I will, he seems I, to have control over it because... He told, he said to the dog, to, or to dog, sorry, he said something yeah, like, Yeah, call keep, him by his name, Jason. Keep dog. him coming over here. And so that while mm-hmm. the dog's like, rah, 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 and then he goes, shh, and put his hand out. And then the dog immediately was quiet. So I think he's pretty well trained. Mm. I like, I'm going to, I'm going to expand it to dog and Daryl um, because <laughs> I enjoyed kind of, I'm the enjoying actually, boy. really mm. enjoying Daryl so far this season, mm-hmm. which is not something I ever thought I would say because i was getting quite fed up with him but yeah i think they're giving norman reedus much more to do without necessarily changing his character in a way that's inconsistent with who daryl is Mm -hmm. um i like that he went off and became a lone wolf i like that his survivalist kind of weird dead body part wearing as necklace habits are still there i think 
it is totally his relationship with that dog is totally plausible to me that yes. that's the kind of thing that would happen to Daryl because you saw how good he was with Shiva and <laughs> he's so in tune with nature as a tracker and he seems like the kind of person he's not you know very um wordy but he's good with body language and just I I feel like he could develop and he's a you know afraid to get too close to people but it just totally makes sense that he would develop a close bond with a dog yeah exactly and I think we saw just some smart useful Daryl stuff this episode we saw him use the alarm clock uh, trick which I thought was super clever mm-hmm. but my partner actually pointed out we've seen Enid used before back in like season 5 or 6 with egg timers which I'd oh, forgotten right. yeah um, <laughs> I thought that there was a scene where Daryl was sort of stalking ahead with dog while Jesus and Aaron were having a kind of deep and meaningful conversation and it was sort of like Daryl was their like feral child <laughs> they were like oh look at him he used to be scared of people and but now he's really good at finding them and I was like yeah that's a funny family dynamic <laughs> I'm up for that I, I did have a laugh him. thinking it would be funny if Dog fetched the firework rather than letting it go off for all the walkers. <laughs> that would be quite inconvenient. Would fireworks really be alive after nine years? It looked kind of homemade. Okay. It looked okay. like okay. a little kind of firecracker. flashlight batteries? Yeah, out? something like that. I did think that, though. I was like, hmm, I wonder, do, do fireworks exist in the apocalypse? No, um, but I mean the flashlight batteries, you know, later on. Like, oh shoot of course I, I don't know were they homemade too maybe <laughs> yeah how, well you do get some solar powered torches oh really okay yeah. okay we'll say they're those. they're not as strong though mm-hmm. yeah right, sorry, I, I don't know it would be yet sustainable Dar- you know i the, agree um, about daryl and uh, one thing i noticed too is that his voice is not so gravelly this season mm-hmm. i always make fun he's of him for talking it. like this but now he's talking more normal and i wonder if that was a conscious choice by norman reedus or or the show the producers or what and if so why but i dig it because it yeah. just makes him feel more like a real person and not batman or something <laughs> batman <laughs> dog man um I think one of my favourite scenes was, and I missed it the first time round because I was watching it on a small screen, but um, was Daryl watching the herd change direction. You know, he watches the fireworks go off. He's on top of that sort of weird gazebo thing hmm. uh, with dog dogs barking. And you see Daryl kind of realise that this herd are, are turning around. They're moving of their own volition. They're not paying attention to the traps. And that kind of sense of impending doom and confusion really sort of come to the fore there um, and I enjoyed that a lot so yeah props to Norman Reedus he's kind of turning it around this season a little bit and I'm enjoying it and I love that dog and if anything happens to that dog I I don't know I mean they're going to lose a lot of years that's all I'm going to say on there's that. a petition <laughs> online um, 45,000 signatures last I looked not to kill dog I will <laughs> put the link in the show notes <laughs> I said to um, I said to Avelino today. I think that if I think it was Avelino and Gillian, if I think if the lineup had happened when Dog was around, I probably would have been like, "Oh, thank God, it's just Glenn, not Dog." And I was like, "Oh God, that's awful. I'm a terrible person." But I'm like, "No, Dog is wonderful." <laughs> yeah, um, I'm gonna be doing a panel with Dog in San Jose this weekend. And... Amazing, excellent. <laughs> Give him some treats. Tell him he's a good boy. <laughs> Don't patronize me. he like turns up smoking with sunglasses on like no i'm not open for questions sorry (laughs) so his real name is seven by the way and seven in in a recent interview Rita said 
quote. We just did a scene the other day that ended up being the opposite of what it was supposed to be because the dog just wanted to do something else and it came out so much better. He'll probably be running the show. It's great. I love it. He loves me too. Oh, my heart. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so we'll just go for dog as number one. Okay. Well, let's see. My number one was Henry and I think we covered that pretty well. So do you have any notes? I have a few. I found with this episode there were like some little things that weren't quite points, but I mm-hmm. liked. Um, uh, the new group continued to please me. me um, I liked Luke's comment that they're scrappy. I thought that was quite <laughs> self-aware. He's great. Um, I, th- I, I really like him. And they all, to me, they all seem um, kind of eager to try and be good citizens and fit in. Magna is the one exception. She might be a little restless. Um, but she still at the end showed up to help and said it was to earn her keep. But mm-hmm. was there some suggestion maybe when they were talking in sign language that they might have some other intentions or something? Or did I imagine that? No, I think they were just saying to kind of be on their guard. Okay. Okay. And I'm loving the sign language. Yeah. It's just it's so captivating. And I, I thought Carol's uh, ASL was very cute. But then I remembered that she'd murdered 10 people the night before, which kept popping into my head this episode. <laughs> that's like, funny. You know, I, kept, I was like, oh, that's that's good. I like that. She's a murderer. Um, I was thinking, too, though, if I was Michonne and and I didn't. Well, I guess does she trust them? I think she kind of does. But still, there's new people and Michonne's sort of feeling not that trusting that if she's carting them to, you know, hand them over to Hilltop and wants that Mm -hmm. to work out well. If you saw them doing a lot of sign language with each other in the back, you might get a little nervous about that. Like, what are they Mm -hmm. saying? Well, most of them talk while they're doing it as well, apart from Connie. Oh, yeah. But then when they didn't, though, that's when you might get a little nervous when they all of a sudden stop. (laughs) <laughs> we're not talking about you honest yeah. uh yeah. <laughs> that's an m i saw I, you make an m yeah, no i didn't <laughs> i i love it i think the the new group i was thinking the chemistry of the group is really nice as a group in and of themselves like i'm enjoying it and i thought that moment where they were i think i might repeat this in comic talk the moment where they were coming up to the hilltop um looking at it and seeing michonne and sadiq leading the way and Magna, Yumiko, Connie, Kelly, look, it was just a really wonderfully kind of representative moment. You know, it was lots of different kind of people of different races, different, you know, sexualities. It was just such a kind of nice intersectional moment that I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, this show has come on a lot since the first season. Like it's there have been changes and these changes have been for the better. So I enjoyed that a lot. Um, I wanted a moment of appreciation for Diane, which is the blonde lady from Hilltop, who has just been consistently kind of there and good since mm-hmm. uh, the start of that kind of arc. But not really come to the fore. No, and I'm kind of, I like that she sort of is coming back to Hilltop to help Carol out. Uh, Carol being emotional got me right in the feelings, but again, came back to the fact that she just murdered a whole heap of people. So I'm, you know, I'm, I was having conflicting feelings about Carol this episode. Um, Most listeners are totally fucking love that she did that. By the way, I'm sure. Yeah, I, I mean, I do too. It's just very jarring when you see her be a loving mother and remember Got that it. she murdered ten people last night. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just had a couple of wee things. Is is last laughs? Is that like a common phrase? Like the kids were saying to each other, "Oh, last laughs," no. when they were. Dr- 
Not that nope. I know of. Yeah, I, I never okay, heard it cool. before. I was like, huh? Is this an American thing? I don't know. It might be it. like a, um, a southern thing or something. Maybe. Hmm. I was um, confused as to why they didn't pop Eugene's knee back in if they knew how to do it. Would it have made it, would he have been less mobile had they done that? I don't even know. Yeah, I wasn't sure about that. And that is pretty much it. I cover some other stuff in Comic Talk uh, in the past slash future. And yeah, those were my main notes. How about you? Let's see. We covered a lot of them. I have a couple entries in the Department of Suspension of Disbelief. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. I don't believe that Jesus and Aaron together couldn't lift Eugene over a fence. Yeah, it was a bit of an insult to Eugene, that really, wasn't <laughs> yeah, it? Like, push! <laughs> My God, you found <laughs> me! Like, <laughs> uh, there's no see. time. Uh, Jesus says when they're talking about the evolution, possible evolution of the zombies, he says if they can learn to talk, maybe they can learn strategy and how to hunt. And then he immediately mm-hmm. concocts a plan to draw them away from injured Eugene that relies on the Zeds acting th- like they always have which is yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not able to form strategy and being able to draw them off with sound and everything like that. I don't know that I thought, I, what else are they going to do? They don't really have a choice, but I thought that was pretty funny. Old habits like, oh, yeah, maybe they're getting really smart. So let's treat them like they're really dumb and like they they're are. changing. Mm-hmm. Now run over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I like that Magna's group address that. Some, one of them said the guy who runs things here is called Jesus. Sounds like a cult to me. Because yeah. <laughs> we forget that that's a little silly that his name is Jesus. So yeah, cool. it's like the kingdom thing. Like you have a king. Like yeah, yeah, it's, it's good. Yeah, new people think that's strange. Uh, and then the last one is just that I noticed while fighting the Zeds that Aaron uses his fake arm. He holds it up for a Zed to bite on while he stabs him in the head with his other hand. Well, his hand. I loved that. I'm so glad you pointed that out. That is really cool. <laughs> yeah why not yeah absolutely use, use it. it to your advantage <laughs> alright that's great that was fun let's take a little break there's more to come stay with us prepare yourself you know it's a must back and you can turn your photos into simple frameless works of art with fracture which is of course your photos printed on glass in vivid color and there is no better time to get a fracture it's november in fact you better hurry up because the holiday season is approaching fast i was just at my grandma's for thanksgiving and i saw the fractures of nico that i gave her a couple christmases ago on her wall and it reminded me that i haven't given her any of Bodie yet, which is my second child. So Nico's <gasps> now seven and Bodie is going to be two in January. Oh, no way. God. <laughs> so I'm set for Christmas. But while I was there, my aunt, who lives with my grandma, gave Nico and Bodie a bath. And she has this thing, which I've never seen before, that sits at the bottom of the bathtub and shoots bubbles up. So it kind of like a hot tub. And, oh, that's so cool. And then when she poured the bubble bath into it, it like activated with that thing. And it was the bubbliest bath I've ever seen. In fact, it was 
like just going up a couple of feet and then pouring out of the bathtub and Uh. those kids freaking loved it so i took a bunch of pictures and you know the bubbles are um they cover everything up but you can just see that they're having really fun in there so i think i'm gonna get oh that sounds amazing fractured yeah it's really fun and give it to them for christmas uh i'm sure someone in your life would love a gift like this too so consider it all you do is you pick the photo from ones you've taken find that perfect photo or snap a new one and just go to fractures website upload it choose a size and buy it it's that simple and they really do look like pieces of art and one thing i haven't mentioned very much about fracture maybe not not at all is that there's it's it's you know your photo printed on this pane of glass and then there's this lightweight layer behind it that lets you mount it onto the wall it's um kind of like a a cork or something i don't know what it is but anyways it makes the glass stand out from the wall just a little bit. And so, and it gives it more strength too. And it just kind of adds to the beauty of it to me. Like you can see a little shadow along the side. This is a nice little piece. So if you want to get one, go to fractureme.com slash dead. You'll get a special discount. If it's your first fracture order, don't forget to pick walking dead cast in their one question survey after the checkout, which will help support our show. Again, that's fractureme.com slash dead. Thank you, Fracture. Thanks, Fracture. Mm-hmm. Obvious threat to untold numbers of citizens. The people he kills get up and kill. Are they slow moving, Chief? Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. This is a Walking Deadcast news update. Okay, Hollywood Reporter talked to Tom Payne. I have quite a bit of that because I just thought it was interesting. Mm-hmm. So they ask, how are you feeling with the secret now out in the open? He says, I'm excited for everyone to see it. I just wanted to be part of telling a good story that shocks people. That's what the show has been about for me. When they came to me with the idea, I said, as long as it's a really cool moment, let's do it. I know a lot of people are going to be bummed about it, but I've been bummed for the last two years that the character hasn't got as much cool stuff on the show as he has in the comic books. They gave me a really cool ending, and I'm happy with that. So they say, was it your choice to leave The Walking Dead, or was this a decision from the writers? He goes, they were aware I wouldn't be unhappy if they got rid of me. I expressed unhappiness last season. I was very frustrated with what the character had been doing. He arrived in a very cool way, and then he floundered at the hilltop. During the war with the saviors, the only person he had a fight with was a man who was on his side, Morgan. In the comics, he has this massive fight with Negan. He catches a grenade and throws it back. He's the most capable member of the entire group, and he wasn't used at all on the show. In the background, I was training every single week. I was ready and raring to go. You can't help but feel a little bit despondent when you're not released to do some cool stuff. It was mutual, and they knew I would be okay with it. It's an amazing show, and I was so honored to be a part of it. But at the same time, being the same character without anything fun to do is a bit frustrating. Mm. When the call came, Angela was surprised at how laid back I was about it. It was the first time she's ever made that call to tell an actor about the character's death. And I said, yeah, as long as it's a cool ending, because this character really is such a strong character. It would have been it would have to be a ton of people or a real surprise in order for him to die, which is what it ended up being. I wanted to make sure we were telling a story that surprises the audience. That's what the show is about. No one is safe. It sets up the whispers in a great way. It was a mutual thing, and I was really happy about it. The whole episode, I had this huge smile on my face. I kept thinking, this is so fun. This is what I wanted to be doing. I felt like Jesus was feeling Jesus has been cooped up at Hilltop for two years and he wants to go out there and do shit. It may have gotten him killed in the end, but at least he got 
into a fight with his sword. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this is great to hear that, you know, he is okay with it because he wasn't happy with where his character was Mm -hmm. going, but it just makes me think, well, the better thing would have been actually to give him some of that, more of that cool stuff first. Exactly. Right. Like, how do you, you, are you like feeling like, ah, man, Jesus should not have been killed off this show. I think if I thought Tom Payne was unhappy about it, I'd feel differently, which probably isn't a good reason. I think he was criminally underused. Like, I yeah. thought that for a while. And Me too. to the extent that I'd actually forgotten a lot of the cool stuff that he does in the comic. And he's a much more active character there. Um, I have a huge amount of affection for Jesus because the episode where he got introduced is one of my favourites. It's the um, one where Rick and Daryl go on the road trip and Rick and Michonne get together. And it's actually the first episode I watched after my first Walker Stalker con. So I have this real sentimental like attachment to Jesus because of that. But I, yeah, I, I think it's probably the right thing to have done. I'm sad about it and I'm a bit cross, but I can see why it happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sad too. I'm sad. It's kind of, it shows, I think, how... I think the saddest bit about the show for the past two seasons has been the what could have been. I and know, yeah, I think, right. Yeah, Nicole. and I think that that's kind of, this is kind of a really good example of that. If we'd spent less time with friggin' Negan on misery porn, you know, with him, we could have yes. had a bit more time with Jesus or had Jesus be a bit more of an active I know. member of the group and that <laughs> would have been nice. But, you know, I did a happen. panel in um, Atlanta with uh, uh the guy who plays Gregory Xander Berkeley and the guy who plays Alden I forgot his name I watched that panel on it's on YouTube guys yeah. yeah I watched that panel it's awesome and Tom Payne and I asked Tom um I think I just said how does Jesus feel about Alden and he goes oh he thinks he's taking too many of my lines <laughs> <laughs> and uh I, I was like uh, he's kind of joking around, but you can tell he really did. He felt like, you know, I mean, I'm sure he had no ill will towards Alden or the actor who plays him, but he just no, wanted absolutely. to have more to do. That's all. <laughs> it happens in a lot of adaptations of things as well. Good lines get redistributed or given to different people or people who don't make sense. And yeah, I think sadly Jesus is just a, a victim of that. And mm. I will miss Tom Payne's beautiful face on my screen absolutely but it wasn't there enough as it was so <laughs> right what are you gonna do yeah be free jesus pray for jesus Fly, be free jesus take the wheel <laughs> <laughs> there i had more but um i think that's good i think if you guys want to read more about tom Payne, um he talks about you know the relationship with aaron and a bunch of other stuff check out hollywood reporter um online and there's a great interview with tom Payne. And there was a good quote, I think it was from that interview with Tom Payne saying he got to introduce Negan yeah. um, and, and then he's the died whispers. introducing the Whisperers and he's pretty happy about that. Yeah. yeah, he's just trying to rationalize it so he won't cry anymore. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just kidding. Okay, next, uh, Deadline.com talked with Angela Kang. They say... Jesus is still alive in Kirkman's comics, so in a season where The Walking Dead is losing key characters left, right, and hilltop, why kill off Jesus? She says, he complained too much. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) He's a fucking pain in the ass, and he's British. Get back to Blighty, you loser. (laughs) She says, you know, every season we lose beloved characters, and it's just part of the story. 
In this case, it has to do with kind of the character that Jesus is and what he stood for in the show. There needs to be a big loss in the introduction of this new threat to our communities. It's a marker of how serious this problem is. And there's a lot of story that comes from this loss. With that, I have to say that I think Tom Paine as Jesus really did a great job playing what was an incredibly heroic end for this character that has been very fun to write for over the years. I love her. Mm. I always love her interviews. Yeah. Yeah, she's awesome, man. She's doing so good right now. Okay, next, uh, The Walking Dead issued an official statement on Lauren Cohan's future with the show. Uh, I think Ooh. it was Chris Hardwick who said this. He said, Maggie's last episode this season was 905, uh, you know, season nine, episode five. But it isn't the end of Maggie's story. We love Lauren Cohan and hope to have her back on the big program and or beyond. And we have built a story to service that. And they've said they want her back in one way or another sort of suggesting that they could find a way to either fit it into walking dead season 10 or a movie or something like that. But it also yeah. sounds like nothing is set in stone and it all depends on how successful the show is of hers and mm-hmm. whether or not they can reach a deal money wise with her. That's what I'm reading mm-hmm. between the lines getting. I think that is a good reading. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, next. Uh, Variety says that AMC announced that Walking Dead Season 9 will return on February 10th, which I assume is a Sunday at 9pm. Just so you guys know. Uh, Two more. Robert Kirkman is developing a new series called Five Year that follows the fate of society in the final five years before an unstoppable meteor destroys the planet. Which is really interesting, right? You know that the planet has five more years. It's supposed to be a five season show. So just to see how crazy things get. Nice. (laughs) Now that rang a bell with me. So I looked it up and I was right that Robert Kirkman originally wrote a treatment for this show several years ago with Dave Erickson, who was the original showrunner of fear. And I think they actually took major elements from that and folded it into fear because it was a family drama um, but I was trying to find out if he's, if Dave Erickson is still involved now that this series is a go and I couldn't find any, um, confirmation about that. So I don't know, maybe it just Robert Kirkman took it and rolled with it himself. I'm not sure. Mm, interesting. Yeah. I kind of hope he is involved cause I want to see more stuff from him. Yeah. It's a good premise. I like it. Mm-hmm. And then last, oh, I already mentioned this, the walking dead fans have started a petition to keep Daryl's dog alive and I will put a link in the show notes for that if you want to sign up, sign it. Only 3,999 of those signatures are mine, but <laughs> I'll have more by tomorrow. Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> do, your, do your part. And uh, for all the dogs and cats out there, woof, woof, meow. Meow. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that is it for the news. Now let's move on to listener moans, groans, and grunts. Uh, <laughs> Kristen Hall says, I call bullshit. Jesus could have gotten through that gate. Oh, shit! <laughs> and they left too much potential during Jesus' entire run on the show. He had mad skills and was so interesting and he never made half the episodes. And then when the show opens up to let characters like him shine, they kill him off. Simon says, <laughs> bullshit. Yeah, she's she's not happy about this. And I I don't blame you. For not being happy. It's a great character. Could have been used so much better. 
Paula Bone says, and apparently this was a surprise to Tom Payne. He was on Talking Dead last night, so it's not like he was begging to get off the show. He was he wasn't happy. Pink Allen says, I'm drunk. <laughs> As I knew I would need some more help to get through this episode. And I'm not gonna read it drunk, Pete, don't worry. But I'm fucking pissed. Why would they kill one of the absolute coolest fucking characters the show has ever had? I knew that scene was coming and was excited for it, but not like that. It makes me really upset. I'm going to miss Jesus so damn much. Hashtag throw shit for Jesus. <laughs> and listeners, if you're looking for Pake, he will be in the hilltop jail for the next two days on his drunken, disorderly <laughs> yeah. uh, charge. So he will receive you after this time. Right. It's okay. He has kind of a father-son relationship with the blacksmith there. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> we're, we're, we'll, we'll visit him at some point. <laughs> um. Oh, about Tom Payne not, you know, asking. He also said in that interview, if he had to go back and do what he was doing before, he would be just really unhappy. So he'd rather be off the show than yeah. not have much to do. But I think he, that's fair. Yeah, but he'd rather have more to do, I think, on the show than be off the show. Mm. <laughs> uh, Mary Morty Punch says, really wanted Jesus and Aaron to hook up. Aaron's face broke my heart. It reminded Girl, me of Eric again. Ugh, worse than Eric. Jesus is way harder than Eric. No offense, Eric. Sorry. Oh, come uh, on. They had, a, <laughs> they had a beautiful relationship, Aaron and Eric. Yeah. <laughs> all I'll say is I think Aaron would be more upset huh? at Jesus dying. That's all I'm saying. He's all I'm saying, take from that what God, you will. You're so, um, you're so shallow. <laughs> <laughs> you're damn right I am. Don't kill dog. Um, Elizabeth Nikolaevich says, a mushy character with no story, too cool for school. <laughs> no. I assume that's Jesus, not me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I also want to say, even though I agree that Jesus had a lot of cool stuff to do in the comics that he didn't get to in the show, that, you know, you guys know, I dug the stuff that they did give Jesus all about, like with um, trying to protect the saviors. Oh, yeah. And stuff like that, you know? I think that totally. he's fucking awesome. So, anyway, Rita Melvin says, All I could think was moral compass. <laughs> yeah, you're kind yep. of doomed if you're a moral compass, aren't you? Right. Michael Darwin says, I want them to kill off characters like Jesus. Too many times we see characters die after they've had their spiritual enlightenment or completed their goals. Most of us will die with goals unfulfilled, most of us will die without having achieved enlightenment. This is doubly true in an apocalypse where death from old age is not the norm. I'm sorry to see him go, but I'm glad we're taking the plot armor away from characters. Hashtag kill Daryl. <laughs> <laughs> and you can find Michael at michaeldarwin at gmail.com. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's Darwin's theory of evolution right there. Badoom. <laughs> right. No, I mean, even Jesus said, or Jesus, uh, Tom Payne was like, the show is about surprise. So he's right in line mm -hmm. with what you're saying, Michael. Boris Grudina says, I almost gave up on this show in the beginning of the season, and I'm glad I did not unexpectedly killing actually killing one of its main and beloved characters was a bold move but much needed for the show to get its mojo back the way they handled rick and maggie departures was kind of lame mm -hmm. no one should be safe in the walking dead universe i'm actually looking forward to february to see where this story leads the whispers look cool mm. paula bone says jesus is dead and negan is on the loose Ugh, I'm so incredibly bored with Negan. I don't know how much more of him spawning around I can take. He's a villain out of the 1960s TV version of Batman at this point. So stupid. <laughs> yeah, they need to do something different with him, and I'm I'm fairly optimistic they will. 
based on how mm. well things have been going. Oh, also, but you know, on the other hand, mentioning like how I feel like this is the best first half or one of the best first halves of a season. Another first half of a season that I really liked was season three. I think if I remember right, every one of those first half episodes was great. And then the show just totally went downhill in the second half. So <laughs> not unlike fear the walking dead season four. Yeah, it happens. We'll mm, see. It does happen guys. Terrence Daniel says, yes, my boy is finally free. Let the head bash and eye pop and bat swing and bad guy take charge. <laughs> Gemma Hall says I don't think Negan escaping is as ominous as it may seem the show has to be careful with him now because he can't come out all guns blazing because people have had enough of that yep. I think his genuine affection for Judith may have just shown he does have some redeeming qualities we shall see we shall see Alicia Stout says I know you're all disappointed in the episode but I freaking loved it those whispers are so creepy and absolutely terrifying kept me on the edge of my seat think I chewed off all my fingernails from being so nervous how um if the whispers are walking around like zombies they take a pretty big risk of being stabbed in the head or are they shuffling around with real walkers we'll see negan is out wow is he gonna find lucille there are no saviors left so who will follow him well we don't know if there's none left actually Mm. maybe probably not overall a fantastic episode can't wait till february Jillian Moreau says, shocking death aside, yes, I'm still crying. Can we just talk about the creepy factor of this episode? I was super tense for a good part of those scenes, and the whole concept of the Whispers is scary as shit. Oh, and hey, for those non-believers, RJ is real. So intrigued by what in the hell went down these last six years, they better land that plane by the end of the season. Excited for the back half. Did you know some people thought RJ, Michonne, and Rick's son was Michonne's hallucination? I had read that, yeah. but I, I assumed he wasn't because he was so bloody scary when he turned up. Man, I'm hungry. <laughs> so terrifying. <laughs> I'm hungry, man. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> He's a demon child. <laughs> he just looked too young. That was the thing, but we'll see. Yeah. Mandy oh, Castillo God. says, I'm going to miss Jesus, but how badass was it when a quote walker stepped forward to attack him using a weapon? I wish it had been someone else, but damn, that was the spookiest scene I've ever seen on this show. Mm, it was pretty spooky. Rain Marie says, possibly the most terrifying scene of the series. Incredibly scary and heart pounding and sad. Hashtag Jesus will rise. <laughs> Jeff Allen says, really like what they're doing with Henry here and excited to see how much of Carl's storyline they give him going forward. Yeah, totally. Robin Springer says, nice to see the asshole kids are still alive (laughs) and well in the ZA. What is it with those kids? They're just teenagers. I don't blame them. Gotta let off some steam. Uh, Josh Fianovich says, I mean, there was a handmade post-apocalyptic drum set at least. I did spot that, which I thought was cool. Yeah, that's cool. (laughs) Okay, we've got emails now. Um, first of all, from Rachel Teal. Fuckity fuck, fuck, fuck. Jesus, really? <laughs> because apparently the fans haven't suffered enough in the last three years. I want to smash something. They're just doing everything they can to lose fans, I guess. I was so happy with this episode. It was actually scary. I was watching it alone in the dark and I was holding onto my blankets for dear life and now I don't even want to think about it. Can we just get an Aaron spin-off? He's such a pleasure to watch. The whispers are freaking me out, though, so the second half of this season should be cool. Doesn't mean I'm not pissed. Again. Don't get bit or stabbed. <laughs> I, I love this episode. I give it a 4.85. 
And last email is from Don in Wisconsin. I am re-energized about the show this season. The last 30 minutes of this episode were the best I can remember in years. That is with one exception. We may have a Hayden Christensen problem on our hands in Henry. That actor can't carry this much screen time or Carl's role from the Whispers arc in the comic. And now he's getting even more teenage moody because Enid is banging Dreamy Alden. Drink up, Anakin. Drink up. Okay, I want to hear what listeners think because I think Lucy and I both thought that Matt Lentz did a great job. So what do you guys yeah. think? Speaking of teenagers, what's with the apocalypse? Teenagers and young adults keeping walkers as pets. We had Jeff, the head in the cage in Fear of the Walking Dead. We also had Aiden and Nick's prisoner walker that Glenn put down, much to Nick and Aiden's dismay. Pretty much the same thing this week with the walker and the trap that the teens had done. Another season five callback was Gabe not locking the door behind him. He left the gate to Alexandria open in the season five finale. Oh, yeah. Looks like the only time he remembers to lock the door is to keep his parishioners out. <laughs> oh, oh, snap. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Gone in Wisconsin. That's a good one, yes. dude. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how long he's been sitting on that I know, sick burn. I know. <laughs> All right. Okay. Good point, man. Okay, we got a couple of calls. Uh, by the way, we had a lot more emails and calls and stuff, but I can't play them all. But thanks to everybody who wrote or called in. But here's a couple of calls. This one is from Dez. Hey, Jason. Hey, Lucy. So this is Dez. And what the fuck just happened? <laughs> okay, it was a great episode. I love what Angela King's doing. But really? They just killed Jesus like that? All season long, we've been waiting for his giant ninja kick that we've been previewed, and then 10 seconds later, come on. <laughs> oh, well, it was still a oh, great well. episode. We're going to miss Chase, uh, Jesus. But come on, what more can they do to Aaron? Mm-hmm. First they kill off his, chop off his first lever, and then <laughs> chop off his, off his arm, and Give him a baby to take care of. Give him a baby. Jesus, too. You know, you know, six years they've been going at it. Oh, well. Uh, Talk to you guys later. Bye. (laughs) I love that he equates killing his boyfriend, chopping off his arm, and giving him a baby. Giving him a baby. God, that damn (laughs) crazy. What more can he endure? You're just making me think of the guy in the Holy Grail. He's like, it's only a flesh wound. (laughs) Nothing more. The night, the oh, Aaron, bless him. <laughs> okay, um, then finally we have Heather. Hey guys, it's Heather, and all I can think is, fuck me, fuck, 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 not Jesus, fuck. <laughs> but seriously, <laughs> Jesus was such a good character, so much potential, I was not ready for this. I was shipping him and Aaron so hard. I'm so heartbroken. Mm. Now we have to wait. Why, God, why? Oh. All right, guys, that's all I had to say. Don't get bit. Ugh, fuck it. Get bit. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are salty this week, and yeah. I'm here for it. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but where's your zombie sound, Heather? Come on. Yeah, come on. Bring it, Heather. Bring it. <laughs> All right. Now we have Comic Talk, which I'm sure was freaking amazing, right? It will blow your mind <laughs> how good it is. Take it away, <laughs> Lucy and Derek. Hey there, Zedheads. Welcome back to Comic Talk. I'm Derek. And I'm Lucy. And we're here to discuss The Walking Dead, the comic connections to Season 9, Episode 8, Evolution, the mid-season finale. 
Welcome back. Evolution. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back, Lucy. Oh, thank you very much. I think this is going to be another TARDIS episode for me. So this is Lucy from the past. You've just heard Lucy from the future. And then you're going to hear Lucy from the future again. So it's a bit time trippy, but I'm getting used to it now. <laughs> <laughs> excellent, excellent. Yes, of course, you're on with uh, Jason for the for the big uh, discussion about the episode, the fi- finale this time. I think so, yeah. Fingers crossed. I'll be embarrassed now if it's somebody else. And they're like, oh, Lucy, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good stuff, good stuff. Well, yeah. let's get into the, the major connections for uh, for this episode, if that's all right. Uh, Absolutely. We had a week off last week. There wasn't a huge amount of, uh, of connections. We saw a little bit more about Magna and her group uh, last week, some... Little tiny allusions to the comic, but nothing huge that jumped out to me. Anything from last week's episode that jumped out for you, Lucy, at all? I'm just casting my mind back, so that was Stradivarius. Mm. I feel like Luke's character is quite different from the comics. Yeah. Is Luke, yeah, that was the main takeaway from it for me. Yeah. Um, and the only one that, that jumped out for me is just a little bit of, uh, of Magna and Yumiko, isn't it? Um, yeah. We saw a little bit of their relationship, kind of, a little bit TV-style uh, touching of legs to indicate they might have feelings for each other kind of thing. Um, yeah, but, uh, like soft, soft lady feelings. Yes, soft lady feelings. <laughs> but then again, they have a little bit of Magna this episode um, with another one of the members of her group uh, with, in exactly the same position, so maybe Maybe some other kind of connection going on, or maybe she's just a very touchy-feely kind of person. Uh, maybe she, it would be very weird for her character, the way she's been quite spiky, to to have that. But mm-hmm. yeah, because it's it's canon that she and Yumiko are a couple yes. in the comics, isn't it? So, yes. well, we'll see how that plays out. We've also got Tara at Hilltop, so maybe things are about to get interesting Absolutely. in terms of love triangles <laughs> or squares. Absolutely. Uh, well, my first other one about this episode, just to mention again about the fair that's coming up. We keep uh, kind of mentioning it. Uh, big moment in the comic books, as everybody is probably aware of, they're listening to this section. But just one thing that seems to be slightly different is in the comics, the fair coming up seems to make a lot of people very excited in the other communities. Um, yeah. In this case, we see kind of kingdoms are saying that they need it to happen. Um, mm-hmm. And everybody else is kind of turning them down. Yeah, it be- seems like kingdom are perhaps the most desperate of the communities I think they're really missing the connection more than others um, mm-hmm. I suppose they lost the most in the Negan War so yes. it would make sense that they're maybe suffering more um, it does really draw a big question mark over what has happened in this time gap because there's clearly something and yep. um, going and going on comic evidence I have no idea um, yes. so I'm intrigued to see how that plays out because I'm, I'm kind of in the dark there and I'm hoping they don't drag it out for Sorry, my cat just fell on me okay. um, for too <laughs> for too much longer. Um, mm-hmm. He was clearly too into the tension of that moment. He wants to know too. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so that that is interesting because it's adding a level of tension that's not there in the comics, particularly when it comes to the fair. Because I think the the denouement of the fair and how it ends is mm-hmm. most interesting because it is a happy occasion and it is something where all the communities have worked together and it's a very sort of jovial kind of thing. And it's interesting that even the lead up to it is quite fractious in, in yes. the show so far. Yeah, absolutely. And I was wondering, I have had, had, had this conversation a, a little bit about the what happened in the past, because everybody's wondering, is this something from the comic that they've skipped over? Mm. Uh, it's not. There's no. nothing that happened in the comic in between these times. I think it really... I actually was expecting that they weren't going to talk about it as much as they as they did mm-hmm. so far. Um, I kind of was thinking they were just basically saying, don't worry, something did happen after Rick left. It's not like just because he left, they had six years of absolute wonderful times. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just thought it was it was kind of just indicating they have gone through hard times, they have mm-hmm. had difficult times. Um, but I'm kind of almost thinking this might be a future AMC movie showing you the past. Possibly. Um, but now, because they've kind of underlined it a lot in this episode, I kind of feel like 
as we get into the start of next year, we're going to see flashbacks to I it. I think so. flashbacks are definitely going to be a feature. That that rings true for me. I'm still convinced we might see Maggie in mm-hmm. a flashback because Lauren Cohen's contract said yeah. six episodes and she was only in five. So that's, Ooh, my, <laughs> that's my theory and I'm sticking to it. Excellent, excellent. Uh, any other comic connections for the episode uh, or next comic book connection, Lucy? Uh, for me, I again, this is spoilers for the comic as well. Um, if mm-hmm. you're keeping pace with the show in terms of the comic, Comic. Although I don't know if you actually could now, you might want to stop listening, but it's to do with Rosita. Um, as we know, in the comics at this point, she's in a relationship with Eugene and she's pregnant. In yep. the show, that relationship's been transposed over onto Father Gabriel. What mm-hmm. is interesting to me is that the baby daddy reveal in the comics is that the father of Rosita's baby is Siddick. And there were small hints I think of that in this episode but I don't know if I'm jaded because I'm looking for it but certainly (laughs) she and Siddick seem to have a connection in the first episode in terms of an easy rapport today in today's episode we had Negan remarking on overhearing Rosita whether he's just getting into Gabe's headspace or whether he knows something is interesting Mm -hmm. and it just seemed to me that they are laying out enough little Walking Dead style crumbs that if it was to be a reveal it may not be the most surprising thing in the world. However, we've got no sign that Rosita is pregnant. I I thought for a moment when we went into the hospital room, there may be a reveal that we've checked her over and, you know, the classic TV thing of, oh, she's fine, but she's pregnant, you know, but that didn't happen. (laughs) So maybe it's just a wee wee whisper of that. But oh, whisper. Ah. But um, yeah, that was one for me, was that little frisson. Yeah, they did seem very close. Um, Although he does comment on the fact that there's the relationships have built up quite a lot between a lot of the group and they've kind of fallen apart over time. Mm -hmm. But um, perhaps, yeah, there's just that scary moment of one of your closest friends, you know, in hospital, you know, but uh, but yeah, no, I definitely see that that's in there. And again, with the comic book background, you do kind of expect something's happened. Mm-hmm. There. Um, one of the bigger comic book moments, I suppose, is uh, the the one that made it to a cover of the comic yeah. book uh, issue number one four one had the cover of Negan standing in a cell with the door <gasps> open, dun, dun, dun. Uh, right in front of him, and that was hugely tense. I remember seeing that on the comic book shelf and the shelf in the comic book store. Excuse me, and uh, I'm going, I have to buy this mm-hmm. right now. What's happened? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, because I suppose the biggest piece of tension here in the comic back in issue 140 we had Olivia and Andrea two characters who aren't with us mm-hmm. on the TV series um I think Olivia was washing him and cutting his hair I think she was and yeah. Andrea was kind of keeping him under under her gun sights mm-hmm. to make sure he didn't do anything yeah that seemed to be the um, way they tended to him was one doing the care and the other guarding mm-hmm. whereas uh, this time it's uh, it's Gabriel obviously having a bit of a, a strop with uh, with him <laughs> because of the missing Rosita um he leaves the gate open and we have the guard releasing um, Negan back into his cell. Mm-hmm. Now, in the comic books, because of Andrea and Rick's relationship, Olivia gets all of the blame for leaving <laughs> Poor Olivia. Negan, uh, and letting him out. Yeah. She doesn't have now, a great weirdly, run in this bit of the comics, does she? Like She gets no. blamed for that and then, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but there is that moment in the comics, you do see her turning the key in the lock or putting the key into the lock, but maybe not turning it properly. So mm-hmm. there is kind of that wonder whether somebody else was involved in releasing Negan while he was asleep or something like that. Yeah. Um, but in, in the comics, all the blame goes on Olivia. It makes me feel like this unnamed guard that's standing in the background will get all the blame and not Gabriel. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. <laughs> and will it, do you think it will be a similar conclusion? Because it's again, it's a Kirkman sort of tension diffusing double bluff um, that yes. moment, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Now, I, I had another conversation about this because I wanted to see if my reading was right. Mm. Um, 
I thought it was going to go comic book way because of the position of the camera. Mm -hmm. You see Negan making a little look and then uh, walking towards possibly where the gate is and pulling it towards him and going back into a cell is the way I read uh -huh. it. But everybody else seems to be reading it that he's looking up the stairs and going for the exit. So we may not have that point of tension that we had in the comic where you think he's gotten out. What's he going to do? He's actually gone back in uh, to his, mm. his cell uh, to show his trust. There's two things. One is that I've got this long-standing rant with all TV shows that things are too dark now. Like not physically, not like spiritually, but like actually looking at the screen. I'm like, it's so dark, I can't see what's happening. So when I was watching it today, I was a bit like, oh. Um, however, oh, I want to be on your side because I think one of the best Negan moments is the way that he plays his release in terms of winning people's trust back and his yeah. his whole thing is that he's just sitting there with the door open and I think Rick comes and finds him and he's like yeah. I could have left but I didn't does that not win me any points so I wonder there's two things I wonder if he's going to wait elsewhere in Alexandria like have a look around and then come back because I'd be mm -hmm. tempted also if he was sitting <laughs> waiting in the cell he's gonna be waiting a while because it seems like everyone's away so That's <laughs> he'd be That's just true, sitting yeah. there yeah. like hmm this uh, dramatic <laughs> motion is now kind of stilted slightly but it voice, yeah. did look it did look suspiciously like he might be escaping and it is a mid-season finale so i don't know yeah. it's interesting that that was the least one of the least threatening bits of the show and of this mm -hmm. episode i was really impressed generally with the atmosphere of it and the, the mm -hmm. fear and having that threat of negan kind of moving around in amidst all the sort of um kind of conflict in the fog added an element of tension and suspicion to it. i hope they go down the road of negan not being an asshole but it is yep. i don't know if it's going to translate onto the screen as well so I'm, I'm with you i hope that he was looking to go back into the cell but if he's going out the front door, like you see, it is a pretty significant change for his character yeah, at that point. Yeah. And I think the one thing we've talked about before on Comic Book Talk, we've, we've talked about this before, Negan doesn't really get a redemption as such in the comic no. books, which I think a lot of people make the mistake of saying mm -hmm. that the character's redeemed. He just tries yeah, a lot. He tries he hard. He asks for forgiveness a lot yep. in the comics. And this is probably the biggest moment for it, where he's kind of going, look, I had the opportunity. I could have gotten away. I could have killed you in your sleep. I didn't do that. I didn't do you want to get some points here? Yeah. And Rick says no. Yeah, and Rick Rick's says, like, of course you don't. Fuck <laughs> off. You, I've, I've trained you to sit right there in your cell, basically. Yeah. Um, you know. But I'd, lo I'd love to see that on screen, just a little bit of a moment where you realise that Negan is changing, because that's mm -hmm. the whole purpose of, of him being in the cell, really. So. And it's a shame in a way that we had the Maggie moment earlier, because mm -hmm. it's almost the peak of that non-redemption arc is him... The, the confrontation she has with him after that point, it's like Negan is irrelevant, really. He's yeah. He just loses that potency. Um, and again, up against the Whisperers, yeah, he does come across as just not um, not really that much of a threat in comparison mm -hmm. to what they're facing now. So we'll see. I'm intrigued to see where that goes. It's piqued my interest. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, let's get on to another little comic book connection, possibly, mm -hmm. possibly. I think we've we've talked about it before, about Henry taking a little bit of the Carl storyline. Mm -hmm. What do you think about his infatuation with Enid in here? And maybe the little moment with Addy as well? Oh, little Henry. <laughs> like, I, <know. laughs> um, I think Enid's... She's sort of a Sophia, but sort of not in terms of Sophia mm -hmm. being Maggie's adoptive daughter. And yeah. it's a slightly different dynamic because in the comics, I think, I mean, I might have read this wrong, but it's kind of hinted that Sophia might like Carl a little bit. Um, yes. 
definitely. So it yeah. sort of plays that slightly differently. But it's kind of flipped the other way around, isn't it, in the comics? Yeah. Sophia likes Carl, and Carl is much older than Sophia in the comics mm-hmm. at the time. He's about three or four years, or, or at least is acting a lot older than Sophia. Yeah, he does. seems to have definitely kind of have grown up in that sort of way. And yeah. yeah, so it's interesting that they've gone with that dynamic. I think in a way, I find it might make Henry's defection to Lydia or you know his the things that he does it might make them make more sense because mm-hmm. um it does just read a little bit in the comics like Carl's just rebelling a little bit but they're building up Henry to have a bit more motivation which yeah. almost compensates for the fact he's not Carl and we're not going to get that playing out the way it does in the comics but I think it does pave the way for that relationship with Lydia um, that's coming ahead and the inclusion yes. of Addy as well I think it kind of adds to the sense that he doesn't quite fit in either space he's not quite an adult he's not quite a teenager he's just not really anywhere and that that sense of sort of uh, being adrift will definitely add into that i think i think he'll see himself in lydia in that sense Mm -hmm. and yeah you're right the the whole piece about the teenage kids trying to take care of him that definitely wasn't in the comic books either Mm. um for carl he's always been kind of a separated character because head of the or sorry uh, son of the head of everything basically is carl so he's kind of treated as a very different person by the adults and by the kids around mm-hmm. him. So um, so we're seeing a little bit of that with Henry, but it's obviously very difficult to put him just straight into that situation. So I'm glad that they're giving him a little bit of storyline here. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't the greatest part of the episode by no. any means, but, uh, but I do like that they gave him a little bit of something to do, something different. Absolutely. I think, it, uh, yeah, it's playing out quite nicely. I think it's as nice as mm-hmm. it could be given the given the situation that we're, we're in terms of the characters. Um, and I think his dynamic with, with Carol is really nice. Um, and he's a, he's a strong oh, yeah. a strong actor. Name that starts with M. Lintz that I can't remember. It's not Mackin <laughs> and it's not Madison. It's the... Uh, anyway, Mr. Lintz is a very good actor yes. um, and he's carrying that well. <laughs> he is. And he's, he's very young as well. He's a very young kid mm-hmm. uh, as well. A lot younger than he looks on screen. I think he's only about 16 or 17. So, oh my goodness. Um, so he's carrying it quite well. Yeah, definitely. Uh, for, for what he's been doing. Yeah, really, really good to see him. Um, okay, let's get on to the big ones. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Proper welcome to the whispers. Finally on They're screen here. Uh, this episode. Can I just say, I did really love, there's a, a piece right at the beginning of the episode where they do the kind of uh, what's happened so far in Walking mm-hmm. Dead. And they reintroduce that moment where uh, Eugene and Rosita hear the whispers for the first time. And they turn it up so loud that you can, you absolutely make out exactly what they say. In the episode, yeah. when it was in there, you could have missed it. Yeah. You could have kind of go, were those people talking? or mm-hmm. saying something this time it was turned up to 11 yeah. <laughs> throughout the episode knowing actually these people are talking and Rosie does not crazy and Eugene's not crazy mm-hmm. I thought that was a really good choice and I think it was absolutely on purpose to have that at the start and the reveal at the end just so you get it all in one episode like Definitely. I wanted a couple episodes ago <laughs> it's I think I remember watching the comic-con trailer and being so excited because I knew what the end scene was and I turned to my uh-huh. partner and was like did you hear it and he's like hear what and I'm like oh okay <laughs> I knew what I was listening for then okay cool um, <laughs> so yeah exactly. completely agree with you on that yeah Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, we have Jesus and his fighting skills uh, from the comic books, which we haven't really seen no. uh, a huge amount uh, in, the, in the episodes. Uh, part of the reason I understand that, uh, that unfortunately, um, this character is leaving the show. Yeah. Because uh, he hasn't had a lot of those scenes. No. Um, <laughs> unfortunate, as I think you've mentioned before, knowing the background stuff always, I don't know whether it helps or hurts, but uh-huh. uh, this one kind of hurt. It um, did, yeah, so. it hurt a wee bit, especially when the show seems to have taken a turn where Jesus was coming to the fore much more. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder if part of it was when they first introduced Jesus, um, I think Tom Payne has said himself he got the phone call and was on set within about a week. So they had to give him yeah. like a fake beard and a wig and didn't have enough time to do all the fight training. So 
you mm-hmm. sort of missed a bit of that, but this his the way that he played out those kind of kicks and the the all the kind of martial arts moves was just perfect. It looked exactly like comic panels, and I was just yeah. so here for it. And then, of course, it was ripped cruelly from us, so everything is terrible. Of course, <laughs> <laughs> of course, I know it's such a, such a sad moment mm. um, to lose any character like that, especially someone like Jesus, as you mentioned, starting to get storylines, starting yeah. to get little moments where you're going, "That's comic book Jesus." The stuff coming up, he kind of single handedly takes down uh, rakes and rakes of zombies coming up into this section mm-hmm. of the of the comics. This is really where you see that, that Jesus is really becoming the leader of of, of the of the group being able to fight elf zombies. Biggest issue, of course, as comic book readers know, we don't have a Daryl in the comic no. book. So what would Daryl do if you had Jesus doing all of that stuff? So well, yeah. I think it's it's always been that thing where in the comics, Jesus arrived and we all went, oh, they now have Daryl in the comic books. Mm-hmm. And then when you find out Jesus wasn't his real name, you went, oh, maybe his real name's Daryl. Uh, oh, no, it's not. Yeah. It's Paul Monroe. Okay. So when you kind of put the two of those in TV or in comic books, they're going to start taking you to the storylines mm-hmm. you know we know daryl's going to be there for the long run so uh, unfortunately i'd say that's part of it that we're going to have uh, we couldn't have jesus there doing his comic book arcs and daryl to me that was always the failing of tyrese in the show was because you had daryl you couldn't have tyrese be the character he was in the comics and instead yeah. you got this kind of quite wishy-washy character which was fine and i loved the actor that played him and i thought you know it was nice to have him on the show but it really was a case of the character being completely different from the comic yes. because we have this right-hand man role being filled by Daryl. And yeah, it's sad. And I'm not, you know, I'm not hugely happy a lot of the time when LGBTQ characters get killed off because I think mm-hmm. there's, you know, there's tropes in television shows for that happening. And, you know, it's happened to Aaron twice now that someone yeah. he's been close to who's also been gay has been killed off. And I just feel a bit like, yeah. oh, okay, but... We'll see where it goes. I, yeah. I, I will die on the hill of Daryl and Aaron. I think they are. <laughs> they're going somewhere, but they won't. I mean, it's it's AMC. It probably will never happen. But yeah, yeah it was yeah. heartbreaking. I really felt for Aaron. That's twice now that you know. Well, more than twice that he's lost someone important. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's just a bit. But it did. It did feel last episode absolutely dripping with the fact that. Aaron has gone out multiple times to get training from Jesus mm-hmm. uh, to learn how to fight from him, and definitely more than that. There's definitely a relationship that was that was at least starting there, or has of been going on for quite a long time. You know, he's willing to go behind the back of everybody and go out and meet him when he's being told not to. You know, that's that's a that's a old, as old school as West Side Story. You know, it's so Romeo um, <laughs> and Juliet. Why, why Jesus? Why? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but um, yeah, it did have that moment when you see. Jesus dying on the ground and Aaron's the first one that comes to him and yes him crying mm-hmm. his eyes out is once again uh, heartbreaking for Aaron but the good thing I suppose they have lined up that uh, he's been training with him mm-hmm. um, we have mentioned before that he looks like Rick from the comic book so possibly <laughs> he's going to be merged a little bit between the two a little bit Jesus a little bit Rick he's just gonna going to sponge forward. all the bits from both of them that we miss yeah. and then just like I'm, I'm fine with that Ross Marcand can hey, do that that's fine <laughs> He's awesome. He's awesome. He's Red Skull in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and now he's uh, he's Rick Jesus in the in the Walking Dead. Universe. And an That's amazing awesome. impressionist, like an amazing <laughs> impressionist. So maybe he will just start doing an impression of both of them in the next few episodes. You never know. <laughs> just mix their two voices together. Uh, I don't think this guy's doing American accents, so I suppose he can yeah. try and incorporate the two together. Um, one other quick note Open on this it. this piece. Um, as well, do you want? Do, should we talk about just where some of the inspiration for this scene came from? Because this is the most 
Firstly, it's the most George A. Romero scene. I'm sure yourself and Jason will be talking oh, about yeah. that. I already have. <laughs> <laughs> the most George A. Romero scene. But it is taken from some moments from the comic book with a yeah. character called Dante. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask you about this because we don't, although mm. it doesn't culminate in that death, like the death Jesus has in this episode, I don't think we've, it's not a direct lift from the comics. Um, no. It, so it's it's unique. But yeah, it, I would love to, to hear a bit more about, because I need my memory refreshed on what happens <laughs> with Dante. Yeah, basically the whole the whole piece that's taken from the comic books is that Ken is mm-hmm. left behind in a barn by a character called Marco um, who goes back and tells them where he is mm-hmm. um, Dante goes out with a troop of search party to find him in this barn mm-hmm. and this happens over the course of issue 131 and 132 um, as they are there this, the whispers and a horde of zombies arrive Dante and his group do get to take out most of the zombies they're doing like they're taking everybody out left right and centre mm-hmm. and then suddenly two of the zombies appear to have swords in their hands mm-hmm. and are coming to kill Dante. Um, Dante takes out one of them and the other one effectively starts talking to him, telling him we are allowed to whisper when uh, when the zombies are around. You'll find out soon they don't disturb you. So mm-hmm. a really stressful moment, I suppose, for him. Uh, Alpha arrives and points a shotgun at his head after he takes out that whispering zombie. So we do get that death of both mm-hmm. the whispers at that moment. But Alpha arrives to point the shotgun on his head and take Dante into her protective custody, I mm-hmm. suppose, and bring him back. So he stays alive. He isn't killed no, in these scenes in the comics. So it's a really interesting connection between them. I was reading reading it back again today, mm-hmm. but it's really interesting. They took so much of this storyline and put it on screen. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, very much changing the whispers because the big shock with the whispers was they took a prisoner. They didn't mm-hmm. kill him. Yeah. Um, whereas this time they were totally out to kill everybody and got killed themselves because of who they were fighting against. Mm -hmm. Because Alpha is into bargaining or at least ostensibly into a little bit of bargaining at the start of, Mm. you know, we've got one of yours, you've got one of ours kind of thing. Um, So there's a bit of sort of hostage exchange and yeah, that's kind of missing here, which Mm -hmm. is yeah, it's a bit of a different note. I can see that the loss of Jesus is important for the show and I guess... Yeah, I can see why they've done it, but I, I agree with you. It's it's not quite the same sort of note to start on. Yeah, because it seems like that scary moment with the whispers that they're willing to trade or they're willing to deal with you saying you keep to yourselves and we'll keep to mm-hmm. ourselves and, and we'll, we'll all be fine. Whereas in here, what we're kind of seeing is the whispers are another gang that are going after our heroes effectively. Mm-hmm. So um, in whatever way that, that's going to shake out in future. But I kind of liked that piece in the comics where they were reasonable to begin with. They're looking for, if I recall correctly, they're looking for basically a land agreement. They're basically looking for this land is my land, this land belongs to you. They're like, you know, we won't go here if you don't go here kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. which makes it a greyer area in terms of the the conflict eventually. But this mm-hmm. seems to set the stakes high from the start of they've killed quite a beloved member of the group and a Absolutely. beloved character. So... Fuck you, whispers. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep, yep. You've got me thinking about Dante now. I really thought we were going to get a Dante, but I guess with Maggie gone, a Dante is less important. I'm not sure. Is there a need? Yeah, yeah. We, we did see that with um, with Enid and uh, and her uh, new beau, the person that we all thought was going to be the Dante of... Uh, Alden, of yeah. Uh, I did Alden, wonder yes, that. <laughs> the one I did forget. Was <laughs> uh, yes, Al- Alden we thought was going to be with Maggie. Um mm-hmm. They've aged up uh, Enid a bit mm-hmm. anyway. Um, but yeah, they, that, that's another another coupling that's come out here, I guess. Absolutely. Um, I know. Uh, do you, are you getting the same way as me? Now, again, we're not going to spoil anything for the future of the comics if you're following along mm-hmm. similar to this kind of timeline. But are you getting the same thing as me? Every time we get a new relationship on screen, you're going, Which one? One of them's not going to say 
completely. Okay. I'm just, I'm now looking suspiciously at anyone Aaron goes near. I'm like, oh, that man's mm, well, like yeah. poison. Don't yeah. go near him. You're bound to die. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I have concerns. I originally mm-hmm. thought when it was going to happen earlier in the show that we were going to lose maybe more red shirts than than key players. But now I'm a little, yeah, I'm concerned. Yep. There's a yep. couple of things where I'm like, mm, you mm-hmm. might not be around for long, but we'll see. Yep. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. But that's a lot of stuff from It is, yeah. And we're um, getting a, a little hiatus now until the show comes back in February. Has it announced a date mm-hmm. yet? I don't think it has actually. I haven't seen the date, but definitely February. Fantastic, and I'll be yeah. uh, I'll be on a different time zone by that point, so we'll be uh, right. we'll be coming to you from across the Atlantic. But it will still be Celtic Comic Connections. So <laughs> there you go. You gotta get gotta get the Celtic voice in your ears every every once you in a while. To, right? It's refreshing. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, thanks for everything so far this half season, Derek, and I look forward to talking to you again soon, perhaps over the hiatus. Yes, definitely, definitely. Thanks so much for joining me, Lucy, and thanks, Zedheads, for joining us for Comic Book Talk throughout this season. We'll talk to you again soon. Talk soon, guys. Bye. Bye. All right, that is our show, episode 335. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for coming on, Lucy. Oh, it was a pleasure. Genuine pleasure. I've not laughed this much in a while. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was a great one. So, yeah, we're heading into the off-season, so maybe we can do another Women of Podcastica, or you were talking about doing uh, maybe an LGBTQ plus-centered episode. If people would like that, Derek and I were were chatting about it, and we think it might be fun to chat about, seeing as it's coming up a bit more in the show now, Mm -hmm. and raises some cool questions. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I'd love that. Yeah, so look for one or both of those coming up sometime in the near future. Mm. Meantime, if you want to give us a call, you can reach us at 650-485-DEAD. That's 650-485-3323. You can email us at brains at podcastica.com. Find us on the web at facebook.com slash deadcast. And be sure to check out our other shows at podcastica.com. Next episode, something. I'm not sure what exactly, but I am hoping that that I will be able to publish that panel with Tom Payne, which I have not done yet. So if it Ooh. sucks, I will not do it. But if it's great, <laughs> then hopefully I can. Amazing. Cool. So yeah, if you guys have questions that you want to hear him answer, then I'll put something up on our Facebook page and maybe you can help me with the panel. Could you ask him why he hasn't replied to my text? <laughs> sure sure do you want to you just uh, ask if, him that'd be great. if only you were here you could be yeah, on the panel with me right. also i sent him some letters and he's not quite to those either so right. yeah, you could ask and him some, it'd be great cool thanks. some underwear <laughs> <laughs> in the meantime that is it that is our show thanks for listening don't get, get bit, bit josh Savanovich. <laughs> you think that's right i was thinking svianovich svianovich I'd say Svejanovic, but I might be wrong. <laughs> Full disclosure. You said Svejanovic. Svejanovic. Is that? I think that is one of the pronunciations I've seen. Svejanovic. Well, <laughs> okay, I'm leaving all this in. Don't get bit, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> Thanks, Lucy. Thanks, <laughs> Josh. Where you don't belong.